Yes. Live. 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 No, it's live. Everybody sing happy birthday. Happy no, they can't. Birthday Nobody hear you. Look, it's still zero. Mike. Oh, stop it. Oh, I just saw that your name says Oldie Locks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we can do? We can we could do this. Well, that's our our feed's going to get cut for sure. Oh, on Facebook, definitively. Yeah. Oh, look, there's three people here. Guess what that means? That means it's time for the intro. Happy birthday! Oh Mike. hell yeah! Cover to Covered is a podcast that features two idiots talking about music at length, and occasionally a dog does make an appearance. There will also be special guests from time to time that will show up, and they will be smarter than the hosts. And the hosts will give their opinions. By the way, they are exactly that opinions they're not truths they are not fallacies and they do not reflect the views or opinions of their employers or those they employ so with that just enjoy the damn show back and so is and roger he has a chair yeah, was, this was by request by the way <laughs> roger's got a chair roger Fantastic. has a chair which means he's going to be insufferably annoying but we love him and he's awesome and he's cute as all get out and he's looking up and going daddy daddy i need to poop <laughs> i love i love that that uh if anybody didn't catch it the john bonham uh party photos made it into the intro <laughs> I told you, you said, Nick was like, this has to go in this week's intro. And I'm like, done. I got you, buddy. I got you. If no one saw it, it's the first picture is John Bonham holding a giant bottle of liquor or beer. And then the next photo is uh, John Bonham with the lampshade, with the lampshade on his head, with his shirt pulled up over his stomach. Because sexy. Shout out to Gall McCartney, who has one of the best lines ever. He's one night he was drunk and he said, you know, I admire John Bonham, the drinker more than John Bonham, the drummer. Yeah, because he really excelled at that. In fact, he was better than most others. <laughs> yes. Because in the end, he took it to the extreme, literally. Yeah, he kicked that. He kicked his death day off with four quadruple vodkas. Uh, here we go. It's already starting. Sixtieth, <laughs> Mike. Yeah, there we go. Great. Okay. Let's see. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. Uh, can you play Detroit Rock City? Um, well, Nick can, and there's a reason why Jeff brings this up. Now, okay. there's. L- let me start off the show with this. First off, I'm wearing a New York Yankee shirt. Why? Because Aaron Judge just got re-signed by the Yankees. This is two minutes to sports, which is a feature that I do on another podcast uh, that I do. So. Uh, the Yankees just signed Aaron Judge for nine years, fifteen dollars. No, uh, three hundred years. Nine years, three hundred and sixty million. Three hundred and sixty million dollars. Wow. And uh, yeah, but something else happened today. Jeff's son Lane, who used to pitch in the Houston Astros organization, 
It was taken in the Rule 5 draft by your Detroit Tigers. So Lane Henderson is now part of Rock City, not Sweet. the store. But he could work at the store. Something tells you know. me the Detroit Tigers are probably paying him better than I would. Uh, it's minor leagues, dude, so uh, Maybe that. not. <laughs> well, maybe he'll bring some uh, some good luck to the uh, the Tigers. We need it. Yeah, well, yeah, and yes. So do the Yankees. I mean, we win every year, but we don't go to the World Series anymore. So Yeah, but you're yeah. the Yankees. There's, yeah. there's a prestige there of it's the fucking New York Yankees. Prestige is, is how I think it's pronounced. Yeah. Prestige. Like the Ibanez so. guitars. Yeah. Next up is, yes, that's right. That will be his next team, the Toledo Mudhens, because why not? Uh, we're going all the way back to Jamie Farr and MASH. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back, everybody. Those of you that are new here, I am Mike. That is Nick. This is Cover to Covered, a podcast where we just talk nonsense for about an hour and a half or so. Except this is special because, yes, it is my 50th birthday, so I asked a couple of favors of a couple of, well, one past guest and one never been a guest and may never be again after this episode. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and that would be Adam Phillips uh, from Endorphin and uh, he used to be the uh, the guitar player in Propane. He is also my cousin, so I needed family on the show. And then the illustrious, and I use this term in, with endearment, the illustrious and ugly Nick Bocott will be joining us. The lefty, the lefty shredder from Grim Reaper. Yes, see you in hell, my friend, indeed. Yes, uh, and, just and to rock give you, you to hell. And rock you to hell, yes. And just to give you a little bit of a snapshot of what might happen, here's a little intro of Nick. Hi there. My name is Unimportant. See, exactly. There you go. So we have that going for us tonight. Uh, and yes, I, I stole that from YouTube and edited it down a little bit because, well, it's fun. So uh, did I mention it was my birthday? Did I yes. say that? Why does it sound um, so slow? Uh, you're slow. Well, that may be true, but that Fuck playback you. is slow. Let's try again. There we go. Now oh, the tempo's right. See that, and I What's wrote up, new baby? lyrics. Yeah. What's happening, baby? Uh, hey, mate. Okay. Uh, so we're ready. We're ready on it tonight. Uh, we got nine people watching us going, what the hell is going on exactly? Yeah, there's so many people that are watching only because it's your birthday and they will not return. Yeah, nobody will come back again. Everybody's like, oh, well, this is Mike's gift. I didn't have to buy anything. We're just showing up for a stupid show, and then we're just moving on. So uh, that's part of the rant tonight. No, it's not. Um, anybody who's new here, do us all a favor. If you're watching on the YouTubes, which I hope you are, because Facebook sucks, uh, please hit subscribe and like and the notification bell so you can see whenever we're coming back on. Uh, we do this. We try to do this every week. We will be back next week. Next week will be the Christmas episode, which is great because it's all Christmas music. We're going to make the ultimate Christmas playlist, which is going to be really hard for Nick because he hates Christmas music. If you remember from last episode, his <laughs> this song sucks was Step Into Christmas by Elton John. And the comment of the night was, how does one exactly step into Christmas? Like, what does that mean to step into Christmas? So he he he's right. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny it. But Nick also owns a store. Nick, what store is that? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Livonia, Michigan, five mile in Farmington. If you're lo local or if you are not, you can find us at rockcitymusicco.com. And there we go. That answers the next question that you always like to gloss over now, which is where can we find you? So you just kind of like, 
Sped gotta, past it. You got to get it, get it out of the way. No more, get it in no while, more plugs. Get it in while the getting's good. I do want to. I actually do have something to plug though that the store is doing. What's that? We have a our very first drum clinic on Saturday with nice. uh, with Matt Starr, who currently is touring with Gary Hoey and Ace Fraley, bouncing back and forth between the two tours. Oh my um, god! Yeah, he's going to be performing live in the store and. Uh, telling stories about his career and uh, answering all kinds of Ace Fraley questions, I'm sure. And uh, he'll be drumming in the store on uh, Saturday from 5 to 7. Hey, what's this? What that's, is this? That's 5. Yeah, that's the collective IQ of everybody in the audience for a drum clinic. <laughs> hey, I'll be there so it's 3. Uh, yeah, you actually drag it down a little bit? <laughs> Alright, I'm sorry, drummers. It's just it's too easy, but Ba-doop. you probably didn't understand the joke anyway. So yeah. uh, what's, he hey. yeah, what, what's the what's words? Um, anyway, so that's awesome. Great stuff. Uh, we went over last episode. We talked about the Black Friday record store day. Uh, I got what I needed, which is awesome. And Nick hasn't told me what I owe him yet. So he's like holding all that. Three hundred dollars. You do not owe me. I do not owe you three hundred dollars, but. If I did, I wouldn't give it to you anyway. So right. uh, there's that. Uh, what was the hot, the hot album that day that you saw? Just out of curiosity, like one or two that were like smoking hot that just flew out the store, and like one that you thought was going to happen, and maybe one surprise. Okay, so the one thing I thought was going to happen was uh, Dream Widow, which was the Dave Grohl uh, death metal thing. That that was gone fast, but I was expecting that excuse me um the thing that blew my mind that i felt like everybody was asking about that we did not have enough copies of just due to allocation and such was uh the duran duran live at the hammersmith 1982 i mean prime era of duran duran but not a band that you usually have a ton of people asking about at least in our store so i was really surprised to hear i mean we could have sold 30 or 40 copies of that it seemed like duran duran still commands a pretty big audience man yep they really, really do. I mean, I saw them a few years back, and they killed. They were sure. sold out. I mean, it was absolutely amazing, and it was the first time I saw them. Um, and I'd been a fan since, like, 82. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. I mean, next time, get more Duran Duran. Buddy. I guess. And then we will, and then nobody will want it. Pat, Pat yeah, Middlestat came in, and uh, he he got, uh, I know he got Ahmad uh, Jamal, and I think Thelonious Monk. He got all the... Uh, prime jazz reissues that came out that were all mastered from the original tapes by bernie grudman i'm sure they sound great i didn't get any copies of those unfortunately well then you're gonna have to borrow it aren't you yeah pat bring those all back so i can listen to them all right well here's what we're gonna do i need really quickly three highlights from friday because both of our guests are here now and they both want to come in they're both giving me very very ugly looks one it comes very easy to (laughs) the other one is trying to look ugly so give me two, three good releases that are coming out this Friday that people can buy their friends or for themselves for the holidays. Okay, so uh, big thing that's coming out. We got two reissues from Bauhaus or Ballhaus, however you prefer to Bauhaus. say it. Bauhaus. Sky's Gone Out and Burning from the Inside reissues are coming, and uh, they haven't been available for a very long time, and I know a lot of people are excited about that. Uh, one, hi- one title I wanted to highlight is the uh, last... Uh, recorded Robert Gordon album uh, who I had the honor of playing with for two tours along with Chris Spedding. This is the last collaboration between Robert and Chris. 
It's called Hellified. It's coming out on Cleopatra Records and uh, on blue and purple vinyl. And I was pretty excited to turn over the back cover and see a photo from um, when I was touring with Robert and Chris. I'm not in the picture, but I was standing there when they took the photo. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, cool. You know, you got a memory for this. But yeah, I didn't you were play in on the, the room. Record. Good. I was in, you were in I was the, room. In the room. I'm proud of you. It was right before we played to like 5,000 people at this big blues festival in Kitchener. So that's pretty sweet. And then nice. finally, Mike, I want to, uh, I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this cause I know you're going to be very excited. Finally back on vinyl courtesy of music on vinyl. That's the European reissue label sugar Ray floored featuring fly. So if you want to take the air out of the room, <laughs> that's near the top of the list of how to do it. That's like, just, you know, fill this whole room with comrade monoxide and just watch me go to bed. I bet you Adam likes sugar, Ray. I bet he does. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll move on to, we're going to talk with everybody about what they're listening to. We'll all do that collectively together. Okay. All right. But for now, I want to introduce two amazing guitar players. Like I said, one is family and one just wants to be in my family. Uh, they are both amazing in their own rights. They've both been in this industry a long time, that business of music. Yes. Uh, and they both have unique perspectives on things, which is why I wanted both of them here. Now, to let everybody know, the topic tonight is essentially what's next with rock music. Because, and just to give a little bit of the preamble for that now, you know, everything seems to have been done. And we have a lot of bands that are coming out with albums like Metallica and ACDC. These legacy bands, Nick looks like he's frozen. Oh, there he goes. Um, these legacy bands that are putting out albums and putting on these huge stadium shows, right? And then there's no next level. Yep. And then it's like bar bands, it seems. Now, I'm, that's an exaggeration, but not far off. Yep. So being that they've both done this in very different ways, and Adam has a new EP coming out with his band, and Nick is really involved in the music industry with, with everybody that he knows. And we're going to talk about Pantera and things like that as well. His old friends, um, we'll spill a little out for them as well. I just want to get their perspective and what they think. And I'm sure Nick, you have your perspective on your side of it because maybe it's physical media that can help this come back like records and CDs, which are both springboarding back. So, um, now both of these guys have a, a long history of music, like I said, they're both really talented. I'm going to play a couple of things first, and then we're going to bring them on in. All right. First off, this is Endorphin's new song. This is Adam Phillips' band. This is about a minute and a half from a new song called Food Fight at the OK Corral from an EP <laughs> of the same name. Love it. You're beating a die 
All right. That's part one. You can stop banging your head. The music stopped, dude. Uh, I was digging it. And then this is Nick Bocott, the lefty shredder from Grim Reaper, doing what he does best. Hi there. My name is Unimportant. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Uh, <laughs> here's a little bit throwback for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Bocott, Adam Phillips, welcome Hi. to Cover to Covered. Thank you so much both for being here. Nick, I can't quite hear you. You got words? Yep. Happy oh, there birth- we go. He has words. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you very much, Sarah. I'm. Uh, you're still five years older than me. No, younger than me. You're five oh, years yeah. younger than me. Um, I'm considerably older than you, but the, the good <laughs> thing about your camera angle is you can't see the shaved Asian lads in the background, or can you? <laughs> There, you see this chair over here? That's their fort, and they're in front of it, and they're they're sort of like holding, they're just standing guard until until the show is done. But yes, they are all here. Uh, they're all paid for and ready. Well, and and oiled up. Yeah. I, and, and you know who got them for me? Andy Gould. He he got me all of them. So so they're so they're really 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 short then. Yes, and expensive. Yeah, like food stamp expensive, I bet, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming on. Really do appreciate it. I'm just going to make a couple, a couple of little changes, changes here. here. All, All right. right. Why did Why that, did that happen? happen? All right, that's going back on then. <laughs> that Trippy was really, Mike. really weird. Okay. He's a professional, I swear. Yeah, oh, I've done this at cool. least. What I've done this do never. Activate the make me look good app, and it just... <laughs> failed miserably <laughs> if, if he was trying really hard he's like yeah. he's pressing the button over and over that's the delay we're here like, like come like, on seven it's already going off the rails as i expected uh, uh which yeah self-destruct it, it's all good so adam yes sir you just got married again last week dude I congratulations oh, thank you very much thank you nick thank you very much congrats so Adam, uh, Nick, for, for, for anybody who doesn't know, Adam, yes, is my cousin. So again, I needed family on this show. Uh, but Adam uh, used to be, uh, was the guitarist in propane for how long? 10 years? 12 years? Uh, nine, nine years. Nine years. Nine I was off by just yeah. one year initially. Uh, and also has a band called Endorphin. Uh, they have a new EP coming out as we just played some music from their new EP called Food Fight at the OK Corral. What a title. Uh, yeah, that's such a great title. The title, by the way. That was excellent. Uh, the music <laughs> too. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously we don't take ourselves very seriously. Um, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And most of the times we don't. Um, <laughs> I mean, that song that Mike played a clip of, 
most of the lyrics are what our singer would call theater of the mind. They just kind of float in. The, they're just, you know, they don't make much sense. The pre-chorus is what tells the story. Each pre-chorus, it's a guy who smells something dead in his wall and it's driving him crazy. And he's, he swears he's going to tear down all the walls in his house. So he figure out what, what, what that smell is. He finally tears all the walls down and finds the corpse of rock and roll with a handwritten letter from Chad Kroger that just says, sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say he breaks the wall down and he realizes he lives next to a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> that would have equally worked and been as effective. With a letter from Chad Kroger saying, sorry. <laughs> it's his franchise. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, now, the, who knew that the ideas would be flowing like this? You have time to re-edit, <laughs> right, <is>. Adam? <laughs> That's the best word I've heard for that nonsense ever. <laughs> Look, this is this is a super group or stupid group right here. I one of the two. It's it's definitely some it's something. Yeah, the IQ, <laughs> IQ is nearly three fig digits, yeah. There, there's no drummers here. No. Good. No, <laughs> no. No, only people. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to leave it. There's so, no drummers here. There's a drummer here for sure. There is one drummer. There is one drummer, and that is Nick. And and he admits it, too, which is sort of sad, but I guess it, it's a call out to the low IQ. I'm just, so, trying, to, I'm just trying to get it out of the way before you do. <laughs> Fair well, enough. Light, that's where that light bulb went above his head. He's trying to shove it in his <laughs> ear to get an idea. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing about that is that um, I years and years, like going back to the when back to when Pantera, back to the days of Pantera when, when Daryl was still known as Diamond. I had the good fortune. I worked for Marshall, but they were they were um, distributed in America by a company who, who Korg USA, and they came and they came out this with this really cool effects processor that I got Daryl to endorse, and we actually did an ad with Daryl for it. And we wanted to put on it the initial idea was so, that this is so this is so intuitive even your drummer could could program it. <laughs> and he actually changed it. He's like, no, Vinny's smarter than I am. He said so. He changed it to so so intuitive even your manager could program it. <laughs> Amen to that. Right. There you go. That's great. Oh my god. Well, again, uh, Adam. Endorphins' new songs are cool. When does the EP drop? The full EP is available January 13th. Okay. Why wasn't it available before Christmas? Everybody would have bought it as a Christmas gift. Come on. So it's uh, we're dropping one single each month uh, leading up to the release of the album. We decided there's five songs on the album. Three of them really sounded like they should be singles. Hmm. Um, it's not like the other two are throwaways or anything, but um, we felt that the three strongest should should be available first. Of course. Um, so January is going to be, we figured we'd start the year fresh. It's actually the first Friday, the 13th of the new year is when the album drops. Nice, Cool. There you go. Good tie in. Now, yeah. of course, you know that this podcast is rooted in vinyl frenzy, essentially. Will there be vinyl versions? There's going to be this vinyl. Album? This album, probably not for a little while. We're actually going to re-release an older album on vinyl next year. All right, great. I'm in. Yeah, I am in. That is great. I just I, I've been looking feverishly for the unmixed or the unmastered final mix version of the record, and I finally found the files. So now so we can get it remastered for vinyl. for vinyl. Yeah, awesome. it has to yeah. be remastered for vinyl. So I've been feverishly looking for months, and I finally found where they are. I mean, I have 
stacks of CDs and hard drives, and it could be on anything. So I've just been sifting through every free chance I get till I find it, and I finally found it. Well, thank you for remastering it for vinyl because Nick and I go through this all the time. It'll just be like, well, we just threw the CD on and just, you know, put it through. Uh, yeah. You're going to get okay. so much harmonic distortion. It's just fucking stupid. Oh, it, yeah. It, we know. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> so thank you for that. Nick, do you have any new music coming out? You'll be glad to hear the answer to that is no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the, the, world, the, the collective world size a huge one of relief <laughs> no i keep myself you know i keep myself busy but no i don't have any i'm i'm kind of an all or nothing kind of guy so i can't really like if i start writing stuff seriously then it's got to be full time and i really can't do that i've got four kids well apparently they're mine and a <laughs> wife so you know a wife who likes to shop mortgages all that sort of crap you know so these I'm things kind of, happen. I'm kind of, kind of, kind of, I'm kind of happy with sort of where I am and where it got left, if that makes sense. Well, let's let's go back in time. So let me. I have a little bit of a history with Nick as well. Nick and I, I've you, known you, you now almost twenty five years. You know, almost twenty five years now. I've known Nick, and uh, and it's been a pleasure. And I and I mean that seriously. Nick is a great guy. He's a fun hang. Uh, and uh, and he's just one of the funniest people on the planet, but he's also one of the most talented guitarists and the, one of the most knowledgeable writers as well. And one of his nick nicknames is Hitchcock. Uh, so uh, you know, between uh, the the writing of, of of horrific stuff, I guess, which would be some of his articles, or uh, <laughs> hanging out just... the songs were the horrific part. <laughs> um, but Nick is, of course, as I mentioned before, the guitarist and and lead music writer. Uh, for Grim Reaper, along with the late Steve Grimmett, yep. and uh, we pay tribute to him as well. Yes. Thank uh, you. Yeah, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I was actually, you know, doing a little bit of homework before this, and I was listening to some of his more recent videos before his uh, before his passing. The dude still had it. Yeah, we I, did. Yeah, we did. We like we have a collective friend. Um, well, we had. Well, we, I still have him, Steve. Well, Steve's still friends with him. He's just not here. There's a YouTuber called Steve Stein, who's a really talented guitar player. Yep. He sat in with Steve on some tours. And when COVID hit, he actually called me up and said, hey, would you like to do like a quarantine jam? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, you know. And then he said, I said, what song? He went, Heaven and Hell. And my head was going, okay, what's my excuse? Because <laughs> you, can't, you can't touch, unless you've got an exceptional singer, you can't even go close to Ron James Dio. Or, or a Coverdale or anything like that, man. I said, so I very nervously said, cool, uh, who's the singer? He goes, oh, Grimmett. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> and, you know, the thing went on to do, I think it's up to 600,000 views on Facebook or something stupid. And he, he had it in spades. So we ended up doing, we did that. We did, uh, we also did uh, Still of the Night by Whitesnake. We did um, that Number of the Beast with Courtney Cox from uh, the Iron Maidens, which was cool. And we also got Craig Gast, the you know the comedian slash slash impersonist like to actually do the intro which was really funny that's great and yeah steve steve had it in spades he still had it you know yeah he uh, just had one of those iconic rock and roll voices like he it just hit all the notes let's just put it that way all those high notes he could do it and more and uh you know uh my uh my band opened for 
Steve Grimm, it's uh, Grim Reaper in like 2019, I think, at the token. And I just want to say he was extremely, just in that one night of dealing with him, was an extremely humble and very nice guy. Very cool to all the local openers, which is always refreshing. I'm sure we can all speak to that. Just just a really sweet guy. And uh, I was, uh, of course, a giant fan, but very bummed to hear when he passed. Yeah, you know, so, you know, the nice thing, what, well, there's no nice thing about it, but what, like Steve's, and the reason it was called Steve's Grim Reaper was we, we basically had an agreement where if it wasn't both of us on stage, it couldn't be marketed as Grim Reaper because that was wrong because we're both still alive. Mm-hmm. And I've had people ask me, will you do something? It's like, I, I can't replace him. Yeah. yeah. Like we actually did a show in, um, his band was booked to play the, um, oh, my brain is that, Keep It True Festival in Germany. They were they were due to play the like the opening night, the headliner of the open, no, opening night. You know the pre-festival show, and the organizers were such big fans. They flew me out there, and so I ended. Up, Steve's son sang, Harry from Jag Panzer sang, and a kid called Olaf from Enforcer, who was really good as well, sang. And it was really touching to see, like three or four thousand people, most of whom weren't even born when the band, like, was no more. Not, they all had vinyl, by the way. I signed vinyl for a long time, but they knew all the damn words. Yeah. And that's what was humbling. Like, I played a couple of shows with them over the years. We played Sweden Rocks. And once again, it shocked me to see how young the kids were. You know, they weren't my age. They weren't old farts. They, yeah, were like, yeah. they weren't even born when the stuff was out. So it was kind of cool. And and this is part and parcel of, of what our conversation is going to be once we get past, you know, these these intros. Because... You know, it's it's really heavy to see that, like you're experiencing this. Like these kids weren't even born; they're digging you. But who else are they digging? That's going to take that mantle, you know? And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, now, both of you guys still play. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. now Nick. You do more of sitting in. Adam, you play in in a few different bands. Yes. Um, Nick, last week you played with Steel Panther. Yeah. <laughs> which was i mean that, they are such a good band like number one yeah. they're really nice people like what's well, long story short satchel came in i met satchel back in the back in the fight days briefly he oh, remembered wow. me i asked him if he would do i i reached out to my friend mike tempesta from Paman 5000 who now is of course in um doing a and r for charvel yep. satchel has a charvel and yeah, long story short, we got him up to Sweetwater and at the end, Mike Starr went, hey, you're going to play with us tonight, right? So I went to the sound check. We 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 made sure everything was right. And we were just going to do um, Breaking the Law by Judas Priest, which you have to. And <laughs> it went great. And then I was trying to leave the stage. I'm like, no, 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 that was really good. Let's play another one. So we did. You've got another thing coming. And I hadn't played that in like 25 years. And they were just like, just wing it. So we did. And we got away with it. <laughs> but yeah it was fun man i've it's like i get i'm i've been blessed with you know one of the things that keeps me sane musically is you know up until covid like every year there were at least two dime events you know reader was nice enough or dumb enough delete as you deem applicable to make me md of the dime bash and ride for dime after i sat in a few times and helped out so much and that would keep me sane you know like playing Getting on stage and playing something like Love Gun by Kiss and it's Charlie Benanti on drums, Rex Brown on bass, Scott Ian and Dave Grohl playing. 
rhythm guitar and I'm playing lead. It's like, really? And then the singer is some guy called Corey Taylor. That's, <laughs> that's, that's way outside of my pay grade. So you're going, you know, keep, and it, but it keeps me sane. It reminds me why I do it. And, you know, I've played with, since moving to Sweetwater, which is in the middle of, it's just in corn country. I've played more out here than I have when I was in New York or Arizona, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's kind of funny that, but but at the same time, that's where the crowds are. And they're still, you know? it, it's, and it, I'll bring up some stuff later on when you actually get into like like the yeah. new generation, because there are kids, I teach, like the reason I was a bit late for this was um, like I teach in the evenings here just to, to remind myself of why I do it. And I teach a, a bunch of young kids and it's staggering how, you know, I'm, I'm talking from the sort of, you know, seven through you know, I, I literally teach from seven through seventy, but the but the kid, the teenagers, most of them want to learn eighty stuff. Yeah. And my immediate assumption is, oh, this is because of your dad, right? And he's like, no, my dad likes a five finger death punch, or you know, breaking Benjamin or something. He's like, <laughs> I like, I I want to learn rat and warrant stuff. And I, I asked, I asked a few of them why, and their answer was refreshingly good. He said, number one, they're really good players and they play lead. Number two, he goes, I've never seen them live, but if you watch the videos, be they live or the actual studio videos for him, when MTV actually played videos, he said it looks like they were actually having fun. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah, it's true. I yeah. suppose like a lot of modern bands are very shoegazy, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, and then New Metal recaptured a bit of that, you know, in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s, but oh. in a different way. Yeah. In a very different way. Um, you know, which is when, you know, Adam really started playing a lot more in bands and playing live yeah. more. Now, right. it's funny because Adam was part of that, but plays in 80s cover bands, like Metallica cover bands and things of that nature. So what's yeah. your experience on that? And like, what are you seeing in the crowd for these Metallica cover bands? You know, like, are, so are, what's when I, the when audience I, like? So when I play with the Metallica tribute band, a lot of the time the audience is is a mixture. A right. lot of the times it'll it'll be people from anywhere from if it's an all ages show anywhere from 12 years old up to their their parents you know and 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 then some um it is really a mixture everybody really digs it equally and that's the i think it's refreshing in the same sense where like we uh the tribute band i play in whiplash we only play early metallica it's it's everything from the first four and very very select songs from the fifth album from the self-titled right very few select songs um and i think if we started adding newer material like the the, the newer stuff into that we would lose the younger audience the yeah. younger kids are and and then you have things like stranger things the show that has now propelled master puppets back up the charts again yeah, 100%, yeah. But, and um and younger kids are, are asking their dad like my drummer his daughter chloe said dad do you know how to play master of puppets because <laughs> she saw stranger things and he, he's like you know who your dad is right <laughs> it's like but he, he's like I've known, I've known how to play that song since i was your age but yeah i do we, know just, how to play that we, song. we just did our uh fall student jam at my store and that was the song everybody wanted to play i mean the teachers had yep. to work with the kids um for months because it, it's not an easy song to play but that was the motivation for almost i would say 90 percent of the students was they wanted to play master of puppets and you're talking what, what that was 35 years ago 36 yes. years ago i mean that's yeah that's it's it's important it, that, All right, now to, to point that out 
on that note, this is, and this is a quick aside, all three of you are involved in teaching or one way or another, right? Yeah. When you're, when you have a student that's just learning how to play and they're asking for a song that's like roughly 240 beats per minute, you know, how do you guys work around that so that it doesn't actually hurt them? Or they develop well, carpal tunnel or something, you know? Well, the, the thing is, what you got to realize is one of the, the, the ironic thing about it is that to a lot of people, Master of Puppets is still considered to be the gold standard of down picking, like exclusive yes. down picking. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, 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 it's right on the edge of physically impossible. <laughs> and it's, and a lot of kids who I know, I'll teach it to them, you know, I'll teach them it, but they can maybe get it to 160 beats per minute, but it sounds like the song. Or they can cheat an alternate pick, you know, especially you know, the the second throw you can get away with, with alternate picking that if you've got a good upstroke, but it's, it's, it's just refreshing to see kids come in and want to learn something of that level. But I always want to say, just so you know, this guy is probably the, one of the best rhythm players to ever walk this planet in the heavy metal realm. And that's kind of like saying, I want to be a runner. So um, yeah, I'd like to get Hussein Bolt's speed in the hundred, please. (laughs) <laughs> in three months, not going to happen. Or weightlifting, I want to be like Arnold, not going to yeah. happen. But I, I, I usually will teach my if I'm teaching my students how to play something fast like that, or even just that song, uh, I'll kind of try to steer them away from the cheating, the down and upstroke, because I want them to a have a goal to work towards. Okay, right. here's this badass song that it, it's it, this is my this is my goal. It's it's the top, you know, it's all the way up here, and this is an excuse to get them to try to work harder to get that down picking. Uh, and the other thing it does is I never have to worry about the kid going, Oh, my teacher showed me how to do this. And some jackass going, your teacher showed you wrong. It's all yeah. down picks. All right. no, I, 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 how I get around that is that what I invariably do actually is, is I take them back to seek and destroy and go, let's start with this. Shall we? Yes. Let's okay. do seek and destroy. Then maybe let's do battery. And then we'll work our way up to this. You know, maybe we'll do you know some a couple of songs from the blackout. Yeah, they that's need to have the foundation before you before exactly. you jump. But that's I mean, great, you know, how yeah. many kids though are not seeing somebody like you guys are going on YouTube and are like mortgaging their future because like they're just crushing their wrist or they're just giving up because they can't do it because yeah. somebody's not showing them the right way. I mean. That drives me nuts. And I was in yeah. music musical instrument retail for years. And, you know, I'm a self-taught player. But as Mitch Hedberg once said, I taught myself how to play, but I, I didn't know how to play. So I was a horrible teacher. Right. I would not have gone to me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and like, you have all these kids. Oh, I'll just go on YouTube. Yep. Well, the funny <sighs> thing, the, the good thing about YouTube is also the bad thing about YouTube. Yeah. Is there's so much stuff out there. You can find gold out there, but it's buried under something you'd rather not step in in a lot of cases. <laughs> like it, like it really is. There's like any moron with a phone that's smarter than them can, can, can actually. And there are people out there who I won't mention who have a lot of followers and a lot of views who are teaching stuff incorrectly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so you can't judge by number of views. And God bless them for making a living doing, doing YouTube, but. You know, I think one of the bad things about YouTube and Twitter and like Instagram, like anything that can show little video clips, is that you know for a fact that a lot of these guys blazing have spent like 15 hours pro-tooling the hell out of making it perfect 
and then then they'll go up there, the air guitar along to it, and people are going, I can't do that. So that, that there's an unrealistic bar in my opinion. Yeah. Like I'd like to yep. see, I would love to see some of the YouTubers go on tour and see. I mean, they can even cheat that, though. I just, I went and saw, uh, a couple months ago, I went to see Mastodon and Ghost, and the opening band, who I won't mention, if you know who opened the that show and, and that tour, you'll be able to figure it out. Uh, the guitar was obviously 95% playback. Very obviously 95% playback. They were doing impossible things, and it was one guitar player, so I'm like... A, that's two guitars doing that. And B, it's imp- it's literally impossible to get that same. There was there were some pick scrapes, you know, back across the strings. Like, that that crunch, it was right. the same every single time, and it was impossible to get to that from what they were doing. If you're a guitar player, you know you're like, that's not possible. Right. That was a punch in. <laughs> eh, so is, yeah, there's even ways to cheat cause, that. Because like it, before, it was like I remember my dad when I was younger showing me uh, showing me Ingve, and like that's that was mind-blowing at a young age right but like you go see ingve and as far as i can tell he's legitimately playing oh no yes absolutely he's totally legit like i always tell people that you know that if you've never listened to it this you can go on youtube and type i'm the one by van halen put isolated guitar track yes it's petrifying because number one it's cleaner than you think it is number two is there's no pro tools fixing and stuff it's just a brilliant guitar player full of passion, an innovator playing from his heart, and it's what it is, and it's it's remarkable. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's very different today for those like Nick, you hit it on the head. You know, like you have these people that are pro tools pro tool pro toolsing the living head hell out of things. Meanwhile, you do listen to those ISO tracks from Van Halen One or or any Van Halen album. Let's yeah, be Van honest. Van Halen period, yeah. Van Halen yeah. anything. And you're like, Yeah, I quit because <laughs> You know, there's just no way to, to to think that this is possible if you're a kid today. Like, well, what do you mean he didn't edit? What do you yeah. mean he didn't cut it digitally? You know, and for somebody like you who, you know, came, let's be honest, not that long after Van Halen. I mean, you know, uh, first album came out, what, Grim Reaper's first album came out in 84? Is that correct? 83, 83 in, the, in the UK, 84 in the States, yeah. Right. So you're only about five or six years removed from the advent of Van Halen. You were at the beginning of this thrash movement, this metal movement. Right. And you helped to create this style. And then you see these guys today that just can't do it. But the diamonds in the rough, like Adam, who can do it, and I've seen him do it and he does it naturally. And he, you know, he's a a product specialist at NAM, and there's no tape. It's just him, you know. Yeah. That's few and far between these days. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some great guys out there. Like, there's a guy called Ben Eller. He's as real as they come. The guy plays, plays. He has a great. He has a steel panther band called Skank Banger. You've got to love it. Like that. <laughs> That's the most That's, amazing name ever. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant name. But but I've done videos with him here, and we, he's fixing nothing. Like you've got to, you know. Sometimes I'll like I'll. Like I'll, I might do two or three takes, but on a lot of my videos, the stuff that, yeah, I could have spent another five minutes doing it, but it's like, it makes it not real. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I don't mind that. Yeah. That, yeah. There was feedback at the end of that. Yeah. I'm, there was some string noise. That's, that's real life, you know? 
that's character of playing. And then there's yeah. also, I mean, like going back to the Van Halen stuff, there was so much fire in that playing. Like there was, like you said, there was passion there. And that's, it's not like he played the stuff so clean that it became stagnant. It's just, there's, there's fire in it. Well, yeah. And that's it part clean. of it. Yeah. That's like the old way of recording. Like they would capture magic because yeah. it was, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll loop that. No, you won't. Cause they couldn't. Yeah. 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 Th- there was no like, Flying it into another song. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll take this part and move it here. Exactly. There was none of that. It's like, well, no, this didn't work. Just give me something better. And then yeah. a lot of times it was like, well, the last one was better, but we can't get it back. Because yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. we we only have like 16 tracks to work with or 24 tracks to work with, and we've maxed out. Now we just got to record over this again and again and again. You know? Yeah, and that was How, one of the things that, you know, I talked to. I, I interviewed Max Norman, had the privilege of, well, I worked with Max Norman on the last record, but Max, as you know, is the guy that did all the Randy Rhodes stuff with Ozzy, amongst some other great stuff. But he was saying that the, the, that the limitation of 24 tracks, which was not 24 because like you had time code and also a sync track, it limited how much messing up, dicking around people could do. So yeah. you either knew your stuff or you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Like you couldn't yeah. fix it in the, you couldn't fix it in the mix. It's like, why you know so he said with randy they just leave him for an hour he'd give him the they go to the pub when he was ready they could send someone back and he gave him a thumbs up he was ready and then he would double it and then it was done no no oh, well pro tools this and this and this together it's like no i played he and that's why those solos are magical because you can't you can't paste fire in my opinion you can't yeah. paste, you can't yep. paste passion you could you can feel it though true. You yeah, could absolutely yeah. feel it, though, and that yeah. is something that is sorely lacking today. So that is a great segue into the major part of this topic, which is, you know, and I thought about this after Metallica put out their new single, Lux Eterna, which I have to say I really like. Even I liked it. Why do I like it? Because it sounds like something that would come off one of the first two albums. I was going to say the same thing. It's got Kill em All vibes. Totally yeah. as kill yep. them all vibes, one hundred percent. Even the guitar tone had sounds yeah. like the kill them all. It, it really, it's 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 mid rangey and it's messy in a good way. There's very little wah. That's the <laughs> very little wah. Yeah. That's key. <laughs> very, it's, it sounds like it sounds like to me. It sounds like something from Kill Em All that maybe Lemmy had a co-production. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. If like if Kill Em All and Lemmy had a baby. Yeah, it's like it if Lemmy produced Kill Em All. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. God, yeah. Can you imagine that would have been fucking? That would have been pretty cool. Epic. <laughs> which which brings me to a very quick aside. Imagine if Getty Lee actually did produce Injustice for All like he was supposed to. That would have been interesting. I'm I didn't know saying. that was a possibility. Oh yeah. yeah oh wow. That was, that was in the works. Yeah. There would um, we would have so few you can't hear the bass jokes though. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Because <laughs> you because you know with Getty at the board, you would have heard the fucking bass. So no, oh, yeah, yeah. It would have been the loudest <laughs> instrument. <laughs> uh, but now with all that said, I listened to this song and I'm like, this is great. And then the tickets went on sale, which Nick and I have railed about this whole like pricing thing. And I all right, quick aside again. I almost <laughs> bought tickets. I almost bought tickets for it. Well, this is this is a throwback to about three shows ago. So I almost bought tickets for it. And look, I know people in the music industry. I could probably wind up buying tickets from there. What I was like, no, let me do it the right way. Let me just buy the tickets. And it was sixty eight fifty service charge per ticket. What, what was what, what was the ticket price? 
That was one of the surcharges. That was one of the 25% surcharge at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one surcharge. Then there was the facility charge of $12. Then a right. convenience fee of $5. So $85 per ticket before taxes for fees. It was like a rental car. And where, and where yeah. in the in the venue were, were the seats? Lower they weren't ball, horrible, but ball. they weren't great. Yeah, it was okay. it was at SoFi Stadium in L.A., and that's a big, you know, football stadium. I have season tickets for the Chargers. These were way worse than my Chargers season tickets and cost three times as much per wow. ticket wow. than one game does for me. So, like, it was out of hand, and me and a friend of mine, were, we just said, we can't do this. We just, we just can't do this. Like, this is this is ridiculous. So, again, back on topic, it's great that they're able to sell all these tickets, you know, maybe not at the rate of a Taylor Swift, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but it's great that they're doing this thing and they're going to sell out all these arenas and all these football stadiums and all these soccer stadiums. They're, they're going to do it, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And it's Metallica who has been around 41 years they do it. Five Finger Death Punch sells out a 5,000-seater. Um, Nickelback, unfortunately, <laughs> can sell out a five to 8,000-seater. You know, what's next? Like, what could come next to... Because, to, I mean, let's, let's, talk, let's think about it. 20 years from now, we're not going to be talking about Rockstar by Nickelback or Photograph or any of no. these things as being like classic tunes and defining a generation well, and, whereas master of puppets does but another thing i think to point out before we go any further like you're saying about metallica's playing massive places and i would say you know metallica is probably the biggest band in the world you know yeah but yep. even still because of the genre of metal <laughs> hard rock however you want to categorize it metallica is still taking pantera a reunited or tribute pantera that hasn't been out in 20 plus years plus mammoth wolfgang van halen mm -hmm. on one night and then five finger death punch who are massive on their own in the in the metal community and i forget who the other band is i think it's ice nine kills or whatever but yeah. it's still metallica is they're taking two marquee level bands out and two well-known lower tier bands to be able to put 50,000 people in the stadium where like you're saying about Taylor Swift, that's one person doing that yeah. on her own. So I think it's important. It's great that Metallica is doing that. And I think it's a super cool idea for their fans that they're going to get two different sets and they get two different bills. And, you know, you got to give Metallica credit on that. It's always a good idea targeted towards their fans. But when you talk about longevity, Metallica has been around 41 years and they're still taking out Pantera and, and Wolfgang Van Halen to put 50,000 people in a place when Taylor Swift's doing it by herself for well, better or for thing, worse. You know, the other thing to point out, too, is that, you know, I would say with Metallica's doing it in the round. So so they'll get more people in the stadium. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I it would be interesting to see what would happen. I remember Kerry King saying I think it was Kerry said something about the big four. He said, you know, this is wonderful, but he goes, a lot of people have got to realize that Metallica could probably sell these out by themselves. Yeah. And that, you know, this, and that was a wonderful thing. So I, you know, I, I'm not convinced that Metallica needs someone else to sort of fill, fill seats. I could be wrong, 
but you know, the, like you're right, they they're kind of up there with you know because like like they've done tours with no one in the past. Yeah, yeah, and played pretty darn big places and, and multiple nights in those big places. Yeah, too. and you also and then you know because I but I agree with like them. There are three. I would say that well, there are probably four. Off the top of my head, the four bands that can still do it, ACDC yep. can do it on that level. Um, U2 can do it on that level. Yep. yep. And what those, and people in their 70s, the Rolling Stones can do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. still, and Jagger's, and Jagger still moves like Jagger. And that was an awful yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> no, I saw the Stones in the stadium Metallica's playing here. Uh, last year, I saw the Stones, and yeah, it was it was jammed. But you, it is good to point out that Metallica is playing in the round, so they're going to gain another, you know, five thousand seats. Yeah, yeah. At least, yeah, yeah, at least, yeah, yeah. Which is great to maximize it out. I don't know if I necessarily dig the you know you got to buy two nights thing, but I oh, know is that, that how they're working it. Yeah, it's two nights. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So it's two I didn't nights. Know that part. Once one set of bands on one night, one set of bands on the other night, yeah, and it's that. a no repeat set list. I so didn't realize you had to buy two you sets buy both. of tickets, though. Well, gotcha. that makes it so. So, was it 260 per ticket or for the double? For uh, for the double, that's so it's, it's all a combined right, that's thing. reasonable, that's fine. That goes but then, being, uh, this, me being horrified like that's okay, but yeah, but I mean, there's still $85 worth of service Which charges no matter how you slice thing. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a right. master bullshit. And that was in the midline price point, everything yeah. else was way above it. The next, the next oh, yeah. level down was like $380 per ticket, and then it was like five about, and $700 on the floor. I was gonna say, do you want to talk about hefty ticket prices? Um, so my uh my singer guitar player with the metallica tribute act that i'm in he was like guys metallica is coming to um south florida to the hard rock and they're going to play only songs from kill em all and ride the lightning they're coming with raven they're redoing the yep. the old yep. raven tour we should all go as a band i'm like yes we're all in we're all in he's like i got met club so i'm gonna get first crack at tickets let's check it out and i'm and i'll just buy them all you guys pay me back and half hour later, he, he wrote to the band thread, fuck this. <laughs> they were over two grand for Met Club tickets. Wow. Each. Each for oh Met Club God. tickets. Wow. Uh, and then when the general public tickets went on sale, the cheap seats were 600 Wow. Wow. Not doable. <laughs> Just not doable. No, I'm no. sorry. Like, No, and it makes it harder. I mean, like, when, when you think about it, th this is the big problem, right? The legacy bands are around. They still sell out. And I always say this about the Grateful Dead, as much as I dislike the Grateful Dead. Come on, Pe Mike. Come on, give the dead some props. Let's go. <laughs> Not going to do it. I'm giving their fans some shit. So the Grateful Dead, people that grew up watching the Grateful Dead are now in their 60s and 70s and are CEOs and you know did really well in life, and they can pay $250, $300 for a ticket and buy all the merch. Sure. Right? Metallica is now in that category. ACDC is now in that category. Yep, yep. And pricing is commensurate with that fan base. However, both of you guys just said, all well, three of you said that everybody wants to learn Master of Puppets. That's just up and coming. How do you give that experience to a younger fan when 
I mean, you know, those of you that have kids, it costs a lot of money to raise kids. Nick, you had 500 kids. Yeah. Like, it costs a lot of money <laughs> to raise those kids. All different ethnicities. It was weird, but anyway. Right? <laughs> right? None of them are little Asian boys that are here, by the way. They are. Cool. Those are different. Somebody else's kids. So uh, there's no, no kids here. There's none here. No, I'm just saying. No. Well, what, I don't want to get in trouble. What I was going to say, though, uh, all, all joking aside, is that's one of the reasons, in my humble opinion, why the tribute, like a good tribute act, can go out there and fill some pretty decent sized places. Like I'm, yep. I'm producing a local band called D Day who are really, really good, and I'll get up and play with them when, like, like whenever I can. Yeah. And probably play the whole set because because they play like they can play and sing and it's great. So it sounds like the goddamn record. What a concept! Yeah. And um, so it's fun playing with them. But we've we opened for like we've opened for people like Pud, Pud, you know, playing with them like Puddle and Mud. They've opened for Buck Cherry, that kind of thing. But one of the bigger ones they opened for was a, a band called the Four Horsemen who sold out the Clyde Theater in um, Fort Wayne, which is like upwards of two thousand people, and it was jam packed. And they were really good, but it was funny having an original band open for a cover band. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's what it's come to, which is why I think like the cover band thing is such a big deal now is because some of them are really good. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the thing. Really, is it really has, good, to, it has to be album quality. You know? Yeah. It's, and and, and I, I'll give the Four Horsemen their dues. You could see why they're a top-ranking Metallica band. And it was, you know, and they had the bullet, you know, they had the bullet belts and, you know, it was, it was yeah. that it was that early era stuff. It's, you have to be yeah. that authentic because people yeah. people do get psyched about it. There's a Motley Crue band around uh, Detroit that plays all the time, and they're a huge draw. They play they they can sell out you know fifteen hundred seaters here, and I, they go on the road and they do well because they're putting the stage show on. They're being <clears> authentic. They're wearing the outfits. They're but in a lot of it, like you're saying, Nick, is because people can't pay. Four hundred dollars to see Motley Crue with with Def Leppard on the stadium tour, but they can pay twenty five to see the the tribute act. That's pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, a friend of mine called Brian, who was who was on all of he, he played bass on all of the stuff I did with Steve on the quarantine stuff. He plays in the band called Hairball. They have two tour buses, and they do. They're like an eighties tribute band, but they don't. It's not just one band. It's like several. You know, the, they have costume changes, different singers, and it, it's like. It's like a flashback in time, and once again, I, I've seen them. The place was packed to the gills. Yeah, and that's that's they, more they, of a that's like a review at that point. Yeah, you know, it is that's, exactly that's entertainment, and that's great. I mean, you know, Nick and I we interviewed uh, the drummer of a band called Yachtly Crew, uh, who is a, <laughs> yeah, and they play all yacht rock songs dressed in sailor outfits, and they nail everything. And guess what? They just got signed to a record label. Jimmy Buffett signed them, That's and cool. now they're going to resurrect a genre by writing new yacht rock songs. And they yeah. sell out everywhere. Every they time sell out everywhere. Post, the, the, they're going into a show. Don't bother coming or trying to buy tickets because it's sold out already. It's yeah. well deserved, though. Those guys kick ass. Yeah. They're really, really good. Yeah. yeah there's a band who play around that, like they've, like Sweetwater has a pavilion, which is like two and a half thousand like capacity. This, but I think they're called Yacht Club Review. They come in and they're they're nailing this stuff. Yep. And they can yeah. play. It's not they're not playing to backing tracks. You know, I've got to yeah. emphasize that with Hairball. They're not playing to backing tracks. These guys can play and sing the stuff. 
Yeah, and and that's the whole point is to nail it, right? We've all yeah. agreed that you need yeah. to nail it because if you're seeing Motley Crue, right, and they They're embellish on their it. own material, it's their own material. Well, but if it, that is backing tracks. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, but if they were playing and not to backing track, like if they want to go off page and do a reggae version of you know wild side they can do that you know because why they're motley crew and everybody will go yeah it's great but if like you know too fast for love some yachtly uh, motley crew cover band does the same thing people will be like what the hell is this yeah they do a dubstep version not gonna happen yeah, yeah it's, right. it's really not gonna work so you yeah. really need to nail that because you're coming to get that that you know record reproduction yeah you know and that's all well and good but how long can that go yeah well, because you know? what, what's going to happen is they is is there won't be any new bands to sort of like you know like you said where where are the new kids you know exactly it, it's funny when you think you know some some people my age still consider Pantera a new a newer band and it, <laughs> God rest his soul the late great Daryl has been gone nearly twenty years already it's that's yeah. how long it's been eighteen years you know, tomorrow. Like, like yeah, I remember yeah. seeing Trivium. I remember seeing Trivium when you know when Matt was nineteen. Now he's a dad, and you know twenty odd years <laughs> later, it's a different. It's you know, and I don't see the next. I haven't. I've yet to see the next Trivium. To be honest with you, I mean, I think like it might take. So getting a band to that level where it's there's that much excitement about them and they are the new kings, so to speak, it might take a band that does innovate the way that metallica did and keeps things fresh uh like they are with the two sets each night like they always do something fresh metallica always has a new stage show new sets new props uh sometimes they do throwback sometimes they do something brand new they always come up with something innovative to do and i think that's really going to be it like i went to see mishuga last month who they're incredible live yeah but i've probably seen them four times and it's been basically the same four times yeah right they're amazing but it's the same amazing i'll tell you one thing this is this is off topic but it might make sense to the overall overarching what's coming next is i flying to the to the steve grimmett tribute show we did at the keep it true um festival in germany well i I did it with steve's band who are really great by the way if you're listening guys um (laughs) the, the um there was there was there was a documentary on Oasis playing Nebworth mm-hmm. where, the, where they played two nights at Nebworth and it was back in the days where there were no cell phones. There were, they, people were dial People had to dial up for the phones, you know, dial up to get the goddamn tickets. There was no freaking internet. There was no nothing. It was all word of mouth. And it was one of the, and what was fascinating is over the course of two, of two days, like quarter of a million people, you know, in England, you could drop in Texas and, and and still have room for a bunch of Tex-Mexes. But, two hundred, you know, a quarter of a million people went to this show and they all just sat there or stood there and watched the goddamn band. There was no sea of cell phones. Yes. And what several people commented was, I was so glad I was there because that was the last big show I went to before social media kind of spoiled it for me. And social media, I think for all its upside, has a huge downside. I mean, the amount of cell phones you see, at, at, you know, then people post this crap. The uh, Motorhead had, had a great song called The Chase is Better Than The Catch. Yeah. And that's how it used to be. I, I'm going to be a, a name-dropping son of a bitch now. <laughs> but 
Um, one of the cool things, one of the many great things about the Dime Bash is apart from the fact it's always done honoring like a guy that people genuinely loved and people who never met him felt like they knew him, is the cast of characters that come in. And for the last three events, we've had uh, some some little-known guy called Dave Grohl that's actually barbecued. Like, he'll come in and barbecue for the whole day. So I spent, a, you know, readers like, hey, Dave likes you. Why don't you come in and just hang out with him? And we talked, you know, the first time I met Dave, long story short, she really introduced me back at, I think it was a, it was a Metal Hammer Awards. She goes, hey, have you ever met Grohl? I went, no. She goes, let me introduce you. And she goes, yeah, this is Nick. He goes, I know who he is, Grim Reaper, right? He goes, had one of your records. It's a song I really like. And I was, most people of his age probably know See You in Hell, even if, even if they never heard it, because, you know, that still follows me around. <laughs> for better or for worse, the power of E, e D, C, and B, my friends. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> That's, uh, That's four chords in the truth. Yeah, it's chords. one more than country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, and and he's, he went, uh, he said, I think it was either Lie or Never Coming Back, he said, and those were never played on the radio. It's like, holy crap, he really had the record. And we had the, you know, we talked about, back in the day how i would make a choice like i'm 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 glad vinyls made a comeback because when you bought a record you were buying a piece of art with some really cool information in it and then it shrank down to the cassette and then the picture's crappy and small and there's no real you know there's not enough room for a story and i used to i used to go to a record come to the record store and if i could only afford one i'd get the four i wanted and put them out and pick the one with the best cover and the most information in it mm -hmm. And then you go away and you had to buy the whole Gunham record. You couldn't sample it. You couldn't go on YouTube and yep. check it out. And it was the same with live shows. If we, me and my friends would never miss an opening act, because if we did, we would have never seen Van Halen open for Black Sabbath. And nowadays, people, they'll just click and go, ah, oh, no, because somebody yep. posted a shitty video on their, on their iPhone. The, like the magic's gone for me. Like like part of the, the excitement's gone. And there's we live in a very ADD sort of like instant gratification world. And I think that spoiled some of it. Like there was it was exciting going to a festival, and you couldn't call yes. your friends. But do you think, with all that said, Nick, and and I agree with everything that you said, could that also be why a band like Slipknot or a band like Ghost has really grown because there were these sort of hidden identities, you know, and things of that nature. I mean, like, obviously Slipknot was sort of at the beginning of when internet was getting really big, but Ghost was, you know, became popular during the, the internet but thriving. You, but don't yeah. you think they were li laying back on this similar of like the kiss mystique at the beginning of like, oh, you couldn't see them without their makeup and like- That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. No, and that's, and it's cool, but I'm just saying it's not a brand new- innovative concept it's going to it's not that worked but and what i'm saying nick just i'm sorry to cut you off but my oh, point no, is not that it has nothing to do with with it not being new the fact is is that it's one of the newer bands that could sell out arenas mm -hmm. right in the that past 10 years to come out you know yeah. and there's very very few of those and it might lend itself to that. I'm not saying anybody who has a kid uh, that's playing guitar go out and buy like you know some sort of you know, dress up like pirates and and cover your face in grease paint and just nobody knows you. Oh, you're going to be famous. It's not like that. Well, Mike, you, if there was a bunch of young kids dressed as pirates, you'd be there. Yeah, true. Like, but I would. Be I look with a bunch of sweets and a puppy. 
Nick, you know how I spend my days now in, in, in a white van, in a white van. Yeah, I got the puppy already. I'm already halfway there. I spend my days in a white man, white van with in a white man, in a white van with no windows sitting outside of Chuck E. Cheese. That's what I do. That's what, and I just go, yeah. And now that I hit 50, now it's legit. So <laughs> I don't do that. This is not, it is not real. I don't do that. I don't do that. Nick might. Both Nicks may. Not Adam tra- doesn't do it because we don't because we're we're Italian this. and we're family. We don't do that. Um, I'm yeah, also so. Italian. Thank you very much. Yeah, not so much anymore. <laughs> not so much anymore. <laughs> I didn't know it deteriorated over time. It, it washed off like the grease paint. <laughs> it just sort of. Well, I think the other thing that I saw an interesting um, of, of one of the most interesting things I've read in recent times concerning the. You know, one. I think the quality control has gone. Like this, this probably there is probably an amazing band out there with stuff on YouTube and Spotify that we'll never hear, because if you look at the, if you look at how many hours of video are posted on Facebook every hour, it's it's frightening. Like if if you watched, if I had a student coming going, how did I miss this song? It's like because if you look at I just looked at the latest stats and we worked it out that if you watched, if you took a day off and you watched YouTube for seven or eight hours a day, it would take you in the, like nearly a decade to watch an hour or so's worth of YouTube uploads. So you're going to miss stuff. So the stuff out there, I mean, a lot of it's just puppies and stuff, but it's still, you can't see the wood for the trees and the forest is freaking huge now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, growing bigger by the second. This, what, what we're doing right now, there are three and a half million podcasts. Of course. How many get listened to? Like one half of 1%. Hard maybe. Ours. Yeah. Well, ours, we have 10 whole people here right now. <laughs> uh, the good news is we'll get people that can w- watch it again later yeah. on. But, you know, the point being is that, you know, I'm in a sea of of other people competing. It, that's why I try to specialize this. That's why I brought Mr. You know, Mr. Morocco into this, you know, to bring in other people in a different aspect because, you know, this started as a solo thing. Like, all right, that's not working. Let's try something else. That'd be fun and cool and bring in special guests and get it to grow. And thank God I have a day job because <laughs> if I was relying on this for money, it weren't going to happen. Where I get worried is when there are people that say, no, music is going to be my life. And they just don't have a job and they play for 10 hours a day and they get nowhere. And then what happens? You know, because there's, you know, uh, Bocat, to your point, you know, there's you get lost in the shuffle. Like your video passed by, your new upload got passed. It's gone. Right. Yeah. The thing that, you know, and I think another big part of it at the risk of, don't want to contradict myself, but it's there's no such thing as an overnight success. I don't care what anybody says. There's, be it in sports, be it in podcasting, be it in whatever. There's no, you know, like the successful YouTubers, they paid their dues for not, not weeks or months, but for years. Some of them were there at the start, which was helpful because the woods were a little less full. Yeah. But the bottom line is they all stuck it out where most people quit. And it, that was true with the band thing. I mean, like, like you could never go. I'm going to be in a full time band back in like 79, 80, which is which which is when we formed Grim Reaper, 
or I formed Grim Reaper. We just went out. We like we played every gig we could. We worked, you know, but we all had jobs. You had to have a job, and you had to be prepared to like sleep in vans on the weekend, drive back, get back at four in the morning, go to work, and then do the same thing three days later. Yeah. Not for two or three weeks or two or three months, but for freaking years. Yeah. yeah. But most of the, the the reason you know people were like we had an exceptional singer, but our work ethic was like I I have a friend. My one of my best friends at school, his brother was one of the best guitar players I've ever seen in my life to this day. He was also one of the laziest SOBs I've ever met. And he was <laughs> he was happy being a big fish in a very small pond. And a friend of mine said once, you know, that, that he'd met this guy's wife and she'd like torn him a, 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 a new backside in front of him. He's gone. I can't believe Nick Bocot is touring America and I'm still sitting here. And she goes, that's because you expected the mountain to come to the habit. It's not going to do that. He went out to the mountain and kept going out until he got there. Yeah. And it's all about, and it's, it's true of, to me, it's true of anything, you know, it's like you look at what Metallica and Anthrax, what, what Pantera went through to get where they got. Yeah. Like, you know, they were a real, they're real bands who put in the work and there were some bands that never made it. And what I always tell kids who want to be in a band is like please be selfish with your music only play the stuff that you like because the the, the percentage of making it is really small i got lucky i never made any money from it but people know who i am and that's why they throw stuff at me but <laughs> like, like ignoring that the thing is if you don't love what you do if you don't have that lucky break which never happens overnight you can at least you can look back and go that was kick-ass I had a blast doing that. And I've got a lot of friends in New York, especially from the, the 90s. I would watch them shapeshift overnight. Oh, grunge is in. I'm going to, and you see them next. They've got flannels and tattoos. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Oh, this is, this will get me a deal. And I would go, I, they said, why aren't you doing this? Because I don't, it's not who I am. And I'm going to fail. I'm going to live or die on my own terms. And if you can't, if you can't look back with fondness, you're screwed. And if you'd like what you do, the chances of you making it are going to be higher too, because you won't quit. Because it yeah, at the end of the day, you Mr. need to Bocott, live with yourself. Please drop the mic. That was fucking amazing. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> whole, very much a mic drop moment. Yes. Uh, but at the end of the day, the you, day. <laughs> at the end of the day, you need to live with yourself. I think that's really what you're saying is that you know at yeah. the end of the day, if you strip everything back, there's just you, yeah. right? And if you can't do what you love. I'd rather fail at doing what I love than succeed at doing something I hate. Right. Yeah. You know, and you could break that down in different ways. Right. Because we could take like the movie, like the, the, you know, that movie that Jason hook uh, put out, you know, that documentary that, that was on Netflix about all side men essentially. Right. right. And, you know, he played with Mandy Moore. Now, Jason hook is not necessarily, I'm sure he's not like the biggest fan of pop, <laughs> you know, uh, just looking at the guy, it wasn't like his thing, but he put it in a perspective of I'm doing what I love, which is playing guitar. Yeah. So if you could find the happiness in whatever it is, you can break it down. It could be segmented, right? Oh, that is possible. But at the end of the day, if you're doing something you hate in a place you hate, like don't do that. You need to be you at the end of the day. Like, you know, Adam, you played with propane for nine years. Yeah. You could have stayed in propane. And not saying anything against propane, you chose to leave and be like, you yeah. know what? I got other things I got to do. Yeah. And you made that very hard decision because 
whatever the whatever it was it was a paycheck right but oh, at yeah. the end of the day yeah, it, it was, was you know they so, were taking I mean, care of me but it had to it had to happen yeah I, it's i wouldn't be able to continue being happy working where i worked if i stayed yeah so it, it was time to go and yeah i could still be there now and not be happy but uh, i instead i chose to pursue other things and play other music i mean I'm, I'm playing in four projects now i'm in four bands actually and, and working on a fifth right now um and then us this is the sixth. and then this this is the sixth project <laughs> and and i'm just playing things that make me happy i kind of get something out of each one i'm playing in the metallica tribute band i get to play music that i grew up with and shred and it, it, that's my wheelhouse okay. um i play in a blues funk and soul band and I get to just improv for three hours, which is awesome. I mean, the, the songs are not improv, but the solos are. And right. it's never the same any night. And then Endorphin gives me my uh, my art outlet. I get to make art rock and create music, you know, music that just comes from me. I'm playing from the soul. And then in, uh, in Trauma Bonds, I get to just throw down low-tuned knuckle-dragger hardcore. So I get all all four of the things that kind of uh, make me happy playing music, and I'm really not leaving anything out. Yeah, the um, essential food groups are covered. Well done. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I yeah, need some pasta, just, but you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't need carbs. We don't need all the carbs. I don't I mean, need look, any more pasta. Yeah, but, look at all of us. Come on, uh, you know, we don't need mirrors. We have cameras now. Like we can see each other. Uh, but yeah, you know, like Adam, you, you decided to go back and stretch your musical wings and because yeah. that made you happy, not just doing what you were doing. And, you know, it's, it's a hard decision. It's very oh, yeah. hard to make that kind of decision to walk away from something that's successful. And you hear about it all the time, you know, like so-and-so left this band. Well, oh no, we left on good terms. I just wanted to do something else. You're like, how? But that's because it wasn't the dollar figure that was attractive. It was self-fulfillment that's attractive. And in music, it's and, and any type of art. That's the, really the kind of only place where that really washes, you know, yep. yeah. because you can leave and do something else that's still artistic and it still fulfills you and does that. You know, somebody's like, you know, I left being a school teacher because I wanted to be a stockbroker. Like, you don't hear that. Like, that doesn't happen, you no, know, <laughs> unless somebody just really loves money. Yeah, exactly. No. It's the exact opposite. It's like I'm not chasing money. Like, well, I'm the not thing. I mean, the money. thing about what we do also is it's it's a different kind of job. It's not. Yeah. It, you don't get to clock out when you're doing that. Like when you're touring heavily, you don't clock out. And one of the great quotes that I've heard, uh, which from Mr. Ben Weinman of Dillinger Escape Plan, and I think he heard it from somebody else, is, "I don't get paid for my hour on stage. I get paid for the twenty three it took me to get there." Now, taking that quote and expanding on it and saying, if the 23 it took me to get there aren't matching um, either salary or happiness, you got to go. Yep. Yeah, 100%. It's time to go. So you can't be miserable 23 hours of the day to be happy one hour of the day. Yep. Yeah, what was interesting, it's funny you bring it up because um, um, just before COVID, it, it was that I, back in, it, this would have been early 2000s, I did a, a, a Zach Wild cover story called Zach 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 Wild's Boot Camp for Guitar World, and when the fifteenth anniversary came up, he was he was he was the headliner of the Ride for Dime show in Dallas, and the editor of Guitar World said, "Hey, would you like to come back and revisit that 
and see how he stands on all he made like 15 points like or 16 points where he stands on each one of those 15 years later and one of the big conversation points was the fact that you know zach joined aussie when he was 17 initially and you know by the time he was 21 he'd been on multi-platinum records and that doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. that that's yeah. that revenue stream has gone for a long time and i asked him i said you know if you were 19 today or 17 today would your path have changed and his answer really surprised well it didn't surprise me at all actually but the how he said funny enough because i was taught you know his bass player jd like the little guy cool mm -hmm. great bass player funny dude he said me and jd had the conversation yesterday and we would still be we we would find a way to switch the, you know he said switch the lights on by playing music he said we might have a wedding band we might have a cover band we might be teaching we might have a store we might be fixing guitars but we do something within that still keeps us in this world yeah and that's and that's the you know that's the i don't know if i don't know of anyone who's been really successful that i've met who's whose end game from the get-go was to be a rock star mm -hmm. i'd never usually, I'd get to meet that person when yeah usually I, those are the people that fail because they over try and yeah, they rather live the yeah. life than than grow the life i mean so. my, like, i would set myself like if we played this it would be great if we did i remember like grim reaper believe it or not but like we played the biggest show we played was the uh dallas the 1985 dallas well texas jam and i remember walking off that stage and thinking you know, we played apparently it was seventy three thousand people when they when we played no one threw anything probably because we were too far away but <laughs> <laughs> and then someone got married right afterwards but joking aside i remember walking off the stage and i actually said to walter Abana, i said you know what if i never play another show in my life i will not die an unhappy man because this was this was never even a, a pipe dream yeah and yeah. that's got you know that that so and all the people i've met who've been successful they weren't driven by the success or the money. It was because they loved what they did. And then it was like, oh, shoot, a nice byproduct. I'm on the cover of a magazine. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's something to drive you for sure. I mean, even before I was making any money playing music and I was sleeping in vans constantly and just we were splitting a pack of salami between five people to, to tide us over. Yeah, I'd come home from a month on the road and talk to somebody like, oh, you're, you're playing all these, these good big shows. You must be making a lot of money. And I'm like, no, I, I get paid in cool. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> right. I did some cool shit. <laughs> that's what I get. Yeah, paid. No, yeah. It's, it's true. It's like, it can't be about the money, you know, that's, yeah. and I think that's what, you know, and if you read, I don't know if you've, I, I don't, I actually, I got the audible version of Dave Grohl's book, the storyteller. It's just, great. It's just, great. Just, yeah. just because he narrates it. But the whole backstory of how he got where he got and yeah. what Nirvana went through, I don't know of many people. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that there's a 16 year old out there that would that would do that, but I don't know if they're out there or not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's different now. I think in a lot of ways because, I mean, you know, Nick, you're a father, and and you always said, I want. I'm sure you said this. Uh, a lot of parents do. I want to provide a better life than the one I had growing up. Right. right. And I want my kids to want for nothing. Well, when you look at a lot of these bands, they were hungry for one reason or another. And they they didn't have a lot to begin with. And then it got stripped down to where they got like kind of painted in a corner. And then they just scratched and clawed their way out. 
Now, if you put a most, I'm not saying every 16 year old, but a lot of 16 year olds today, you put them in a corner, they'll just go crawl into a ball and be and hide their head and be like, somebody's going to save me. Yep. You know, there's none of that sort of ownership over what your future is or finding a way to fight and claw your way to the top. They're, they're not hungry because they've been fed. And that's where the problems are. And that's why I'm always asking what's next. You know, yeah, yeah. there's been some, you know, like a uh, perfect example is Lars Ulrich. Uh, you know, he, he came from a family of privilege. Yeah. You know, yeah. and but he's one of the, the, the few you know, the rest of the band, I mean, even he lived in the in the warehouse with them and whatever. It wasn't like he was in a hotel and everybody else was sharing a hot no, dog. No, but it, it was his you know? commitment. It was his It was it his was commitment his to it. So he the, had, you know, he had the wherewithal and the drive to do it because he had the passion for it. That's, that's, you don't find that too often if you're comfortable. No, Nick, Nick brought up Dave Grohl. And I always tell people just from where we stand right now, I, I think Dave Grohl is the last rock star quote oh, unquote for, for, yep. for, because 100%. he he did go i mean he went all the way to the top twice right and, and right. it's because not only is he a talented guy and a brilliant songwriter and everything but he has determination and drive and i think that that's why across all different genres whether it be pop rock metal whatever everybody has respect for dave Grohl because it, we all identify with him as a person and i think that's what put a lot of rock stars at the top before it's like you got inspiration from them and Grohl is one of those people who comes <coughs> after dave Grohl, and you got to remember at this point you know Nevermind was 30 years ago and yeah, the, yeah. the first foo fighters record was 25 years ago so they're th that's not new either like no. nick was saying about pantera a lot of people go oh that's a newer band well yeah i guess if you compare them to judas priest they are but not in the in the sense of, of of a timeline at this point so i don't know who can step in and be the next dave Grohl, even if you want to go that modern because i just don't think people are bred that way anymore you know i don't think i they think have it also that. I, there i think you're onto something with that but i also think a lot of it does have to do with the um convenience of social media and, and that yep. that add attention span like you know like we were talking about earlier like to to you're right dave is the last rock star because now rock stars aren't the quote unquote term rock star the, the modern rock star is is built through social media mm -hmm. and social media attention span is so short that there's no longevity so yeah. how do we get longevity in a rock star now like it, it, it i don't know <laughs> i, don't, I really the, don't know the thing to me that's that's the thing to me that the thing that fascinates me about social media fame is like I said, if 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 one if if these guys actually played, could they even play a club tour? Yeah, I don't know, but you know, what what is what does it what what is the value of a like? Not a fat lot. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's the you know that's the you know I, I'll I'll watch this guy. I mean, the thing that scares the thing that fascinates me about social media, and I, I watched that thing called what's it called the social dilemma. Mm -hmm. And when they said, if something's for free, the commodity is you. And that's petrifying. It's so true. Yeah. It's, it's like you're selling, you're what they're selling. Yeah. Yep. But, and, and to that end, Nick, like, would somebody go see them on tour? Well, then it becomes the why buy the cow if I get the milk for free. Except, well, and there, therein lies the rub. And would they, would they watch the video if there was a surcharge? Yeah. That's the other fascinating thing. 
It, it, I think it's it all a very depends difficult on, thing. I think that would also the 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 question of would you, why would you go see the tour? You know, if you've got you've already got the, what you know why get the cow and even get the milk for free. Also depends on how good the show is. I think some that you can't, and it depends on how interested you are in seeing that. I think. Well, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, and no because I was gonna when when Nick was bringing up people being on their phones at shows like two examples last week when pantera did that first show which has been the talk of the metal community yeah. for the last six months all you could see in the entire crowd was cell phones nobody's in the moment nobody's going oh wow i'm getting to see yeah. this version of pantera and there's zach wilde playing dime solos and they're like nobody's i have had to that. i have they're, had to watch the show through the guy in front of me's phone yeah, before yeah exactly. because i can't see like uh, that same ghost show that i went to see when they them in mastodon this lady it was a seated show, you know, um, in an arena. And this lady walked right in front of us because we were at the ledge with the, the little rail right in front of us. And she's got her phone doing this the entire time. Like, so security came and told her, hey, you can't stand there. You got to go. So she starts moving. As soon as the security guard leaves, she comes right back. And I came up and I said, hey, nobody can see. And she turns around and goes, so? Yeah. Like, yeah. how many times are you going to watch that? How many times are you going to watch that video on your phone? Are you going to go home and watch it every day? No, you're going to go home and watch it once. When I saw the Rolling Stones last year, here's the Stones, right? Doing doing, uh, Wild Horses, which I think is one of the best songs of all time. And you got them up there. And in a stadium full of people and people are fucking talking. People are filming it on their phone. It's like in, in the seventies or even the eighties, it's like people would have been like, shut the fuck up. The stones are playing wild horses. And now it's just like something going on in the background or something to put on Twitter. And I, that to me is just it. I, I don't know why you pay all that money or why you put, put yourself in the, in the arena or the stadium to give yourself those moments and then miss them. That's I think what it I just has to do, it has to do with that convenience. I think the more convenient something is and the more unavailable it is to you, the less you value it. So like I, we noticed several times going to the movies, we like, you know, who goes to the movies anymore? We did sometimes. So we'd go to the movies and like, we noticed everybody's talking. Yeah. Like I could sit there, uh, you know, if it's one guy behind you, yo, shh. You know, but it's like the whole theater. I'm like, why are people doing this? And then it hit me. They do this at home when they have Netflix on, when yeah. they have Hulu on, when they have Disney Plus on. This is what they do at home. So this is their, it's not important to them anymore. They paid the money to go see the movie, but they get this at home. This is just something to do. It's not yeah. a special event. Yeah. Like to me, the, the whole, to me, a lot of the, the cell phone stuff, it, it, it's it's narcissism and it's looking for that look i was here how many likes can i get it's them they're yep. more interested in how many likes their stupid ass video will get than the pleasure they'll get you know oh eight people like my video yay look at my yeah. facebook picture it's like stop it you yeah. know since since the beginning of uh you know where i honestly i honestly think this started with like forums in general when somebody would make a post and then somebody would put first yeah and that was like a thing. They wouldn't even make a comment. Oh, yeah. They would just say, I forgot about that. First, right? That's what these cell phone videos are. It's like the, the, the YouTube version of first because I gave my video like, oh, I, here's Zach while playing a note. First, I got I mean, it. It's true. Like literally within two minutes of that concert starting, you could see the first 45 seconds of, of the opening song. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. 
Now, um, quick aside on that. I know what your thoughts are, Nick, but what did you think overall? As somebody who was close with Diamond Vinny, as somebody who's close with Zach, and I know about some of your escapades with all of them. Yeah, that would some say some of the greatest stories me, ever. But <laughs> to me, um, I think the, the 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 original reason everyone got their backs up is because a publicist. I've never heard the words reunion out of Rex's mouth, out of Charlie's, out of Zach's, or out of Phillips. And I, I spoke yeah. to I spoke via text to like three of those four gentlemen that the day that announcement was made, and that was the publicist got reunion reunion. No, it's a celebration. If you and it's it's the spirit, the spirit's intent. People forget that Pantera, yes, Vinny and Dime are irreplaceable, and. And their their legacy is timeless, and if you watch the if if you watch like like they actually play um, Cemetery Gates, and it's they play the track halfway through the song, through the set with just a collage of, of Diamond Vinny and Vinians on on those huge video screens, that's that's a celebration of life. That's a tribute, and I I I personally feel because you know I think Rex and Philip were fifty percent of Pantera, like Pantera yeah. as Dime was. I would say I would say going back to Dave Grohl being the last rock, uh, rock star, in my opinion, Dime was the last guitar hero because he came after you know Kirk was the set Kirk was the eighties, Zach was the eighties, Slash was the eighties, Vi Satriani, yada yada yada. The last real guitar hero by guitar hero, I don't mean the cover of Guitar World, I mean someone who makes people want to be them. Yeah, he's that last guy, which is why I think his his legacy, which is why his impact to this day, nearly 20 years later, is so huge. Anyway, so it, there was a there was a family thing about Pantera, and I, I know Mike experienced that as well. It wasn't just like the 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 crew were as famous as the band. Yep, because they were this they were this gang, this gang of metal, just you know the power groove gods. But it, but it was just fun and games, you know. Like they they worked their asses off and they enjoyed every moment. And Charlie and Charlie and and Daryl, uh, Charlie and Zach were a huge part of that. They were some of their closest friends. And you'll get people going, well, you know, there's this guy on YouTube that plays every solo note for note. That's not a tribute. That's a cover band. I'm sorry. Yep. I don't want to see a guy looking in his shoes playing every note Daryl played. Daryl did it already, and it'll never be better. It's like I don't care about someone playing Eruption who's five. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would like to see a fifteen-year-old. I would like to see a fifteen-year-old playing something I've never heard before that makes me go, "Holy shit!" Just like Eruption did, or someone playing. So it's, it's Zach paying tribute to his friend. No one can play like Daryl. And you know, and there's got to be there's got to be the there's got to be a synergy on that stage and on the side of the stage. And Charlie and Zach have that synergy, and it's Zach paying homage to one of his best friends on this planet. Like like the the cover story I did with with Zach and Daryl. Well, I, I was part of that story. Zach, one of the reasons Zach came out to Texas, we said he said I'm passing over the mantle. Daryl's back. I'm not going to win the next best guitar player thing he's gonna that's how much reverence he had for daryl so i don't want to see zach go, i spent 20 hours learning walk exactly the way dime plays i want to see zach play pantera how he has it's pantera by zach because yeah, it's yeah. a tribute you know it's a tribute you're paying homage 
And you've got, you know, Philip is singing his ass off. Charlie's doing great. But it's Zach. And it's going to... If Zach didn't sound like Zach, it would be... And the, the, the other thing... Sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. The stage, no. pres, the stage presence that Daryl had, very few people have ever had that. Zach Wilde has that gene. Zach Wilde can be this big on a, on a stadium stage and you're like, holy shit, that rules. Hetfield has that gene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't. I don't want to see some guy, some unknown guy playing an amazing note-for-note rendition of the records exactly as they were because that would be boring. I can go home and listen to the record. I want to see people rock out. And you, if you watch the body language, no one's phoning that shit in. No. Yeah. That's not phoned in, and it's like okay. The, uh, so this 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 the essence of Daryl, but it's Zach, and I applaud that because it's it's what it should be. And, and I know Daryl, you know, like Zach said, you know, and other people said it, if 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 Dime played Zach stuff, Zach would want him to play it like Dime. Yeah. Don't copy me. Yeah. Don't you know make little bits of maybe little bits of you know. No more tears, but play your solo in there. And the same thing goes for Charlie, because Charlie even came out and said it. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to play this like Vinny, but I am. Like, I'm not going to play it like Charlie. I'm not going to play it in the style of Anthrax. I'm going to play it in a style of Pantera because you need to capture that groove. Like, it's it's a different thing, but it's never going to be carbon copy. Yeah, I think you know, what he said, which yeah. was really cool, which is what he said, you know, I want to get every little intricacy because, you know, the, the Vinny's drums were so important. It's not even yep. funny, obviously, because they were, the, they were the, the root of the groove. And that's what Brex's stuff is based on, and Daryl's for that matter. But I saw a, 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 I saw a quote from him after the first show saying, you know, I want to get everything as close as possible, but I still want me. It's got to be, still got to be Charlie Benante. And it yeah. was. That's and it was. Why, and that's, that's why I think it's going to be, that's why I think it's only going to get better and better and better. And what I've seen, I would never not suck or even just, okay, it's frigging, it was, it was, it moved me deeply just yeah. to hear those songs again and see Philip and Rex and see four guys giving 110% like Pantera always freaking did. Not someone sitting there petrified because, Oh, he played, he plays an F and I played an F sharp. I'm, I'm I suck. It's like, it's not about that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Char- Charlie charm. and, Go ahead, Adam. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I think Charlie and Zach were picked for a reason. And I think like if you, Family. If, yeah, Family. you know, they're, they are who they are. They play the way they play. And if they didn't pick them for a reason, they could have picked anybody. Yeah. And it's, you know? and I also think you, you've, it's, it's like to me, a band, like a real band. It's a group of people working together. There's a synergy there. You could already, you could feel some of that. And I think that's, well, feel a lot of it, actually, even though I wasn't there. And I think the more these guys play, the more scarier they're going to get, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It'll get tighter and tighter. Not like it's not tight now, if you've watched any of the videos. It's it's on point. And it'll just get even more pointed, which is kind of crazy. Now, we're never going to solve the what's next issue tonight be nice if we could we'd make a lot of money we just bottle this podcast and sell it to everybody we can split it four ways and everything would be wonderful the last question i do want to ask before we get to our our closing segments uh is and those are the best segments on the planet i'm just saying that would be discovered and this song sucks because well that's just fun um 
we mentioned it earlier. We touched on it about physical media, about buying an album and listening to it the whole way through. Do you guys feel, and Adam, I'll start with you. Do you guys feel that this is the way out of the doldrums where people are almost forced to put out full, fully fleshed out albums again on a medium that you kind of have to listen to the whole thing? You can't just skip around. I hope. I hope. I mean, it's not like I dislike streaming media because I like the convenience of being able to put on a, a, a playlist or a mix and so to speak and just or just random you know when i get in my car and i, I just press my super mix on my phone and then i hear everything from bach to deicide like i like that but if you come home and you have a brand new album and you put that album on and you have to you if, if you want to skip a song you have to really work at it like they've got you they, they the, the band is kind of holding you hostage to listen to their whole record and I think there's something awesome to that. Hopefully that is the way out. I mean, hopefully, or at least if it's not a way out, hopefully people find the value of listening to an album start to finish. People who have never done that before. Kids who have a three-second attention span or are only looking for the, the next single from a band or only care about the video. Um, I'm hoping that that brings them the magic that we had when we were kids where you're just like, Oh, I want to listen to this album. What's this about? And you're staring at the album cover, listening to it, and you can almost see the, the the uh, what color the album is. You know, in your mind, you're like, oh, this album feels blue. Like that's that that didn't that doesn't happen anymore. And I hope it. I hope this this physical media resurgence does kind of bring that back. No, I hear you. Yeah, I've said if I like a band, I I streaming i do some streaming but i don't feel like i own it like i have to own at least the cd i don't have a record player right now but to my end there are there are two things number one is that for all of the evils of the record companies and i started on this subject a while ago and then got distracted probably by by mike's dog or something um, (laughs) or or my add or my short adventure (laughs) but there was a really interesting quote from um Steve Lucas, I think it was the post. He said, you know, for all of the e- the many evils of the record companies, because I got ripped off no end. He said, but the record companies at least provided some sort of quality control or filter. And that doesn't exist now. So, and that's part of the problem with YouTube is that I don't, I, I think everyone has the right to put music out there, but having putting a bunch of crap you've just recorded on garage band out there like every three or four days does not make you a recording artist yeah and it's it's kind of cluttering the world a little bit i think and you know record companies back like mike can attest to this they had called something called artist development <laughs> what's that yeah where, where they would <laughs> where they would they would see something in a band and they give them at least three albums like yeah Queen's right came out today. We would never have heard the masterpiece that is um, Operation Mindcrime because they had been dropped after the first freaking record. Yeah, the record company went, "Okay, we believe in you. We are investing in our future," and it paid off. And that doesn't happen anymore because those record labels don't exist. And the other thing I find interesting about the whole about albums, like f- the physical, like vinyl is that that was a, a quality control of forms as well because CDs allow you to put like God knows you know 70 minutes plus on a on a goddamn record on vinyl 
if you went over 20 like 21 minutes or, or 20 minutes and 35 seconds whatever it is on the side you started to lose quality you started losing fidelity so the order of songs is important how long the songs were, were very important so a band had to self-edit the crap out of themselves and that doesn't oh I've, we've got 30 songs let's put them out right yeah it's it's you know, I just got finished. Nick was doing it too, like going through the the rush, uh, the rush, I guess biographies that Martin Popoff wrote, and you know, Rush put out albums in the seventies that were like twenty eight minutes long, yeah. you know, and they were great because they were like seven or eight awesome songs, as yep. opposed to, well, you need to do eleven, and it needs to be at least thirty eight minutes, and it needs to be this, and it needs to be that, and like, all right, well. I don't have any other inspiration. So let's just cobble something together in the studio and it comes out like shit. And once in a while you wind up with some sort of gem, but that's, that is a great way to look at it as a quality control because you're, you're forced to bit, even if you have 30 songs, you're forced to pick your eight best, yeah. your 10 yep. best 20 minutes. You know? slide, go you know? yeah. Yeah. and have a nice day. And that's it. If you can't do it. Okay. And you know, yeah. and, and the thing that CDs would so people would put stuff out for the royalty factor and everything else. But in the vinyl days, a double album was 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 more expensive. So there was yeah. that consideration as well. And I think the the only exception I can I, I can come to Mike's rule about oh you you need another song was apparently on on the album Paranoid, which was going to be called War Pigs, I think. The record label and management came back to Black Sabbath and said, we need one more song. It has to be three minutes long. And the result was literally at the throw of a hat, a song called Paranoid, which kind of changed things. So sometimes magic happens, but if it's done yeah. for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. And by Tony yeah. Iommi. Yeah, well, and and Geese of Butler and Bill Ward, then it's fine. Yeah, I mean, when when God himself writes a great riff and, you know, God A, the bass player, writes some awesome words. Yeah, it's it, it's you can accept that. Like, that's OK. The, um, the big thing I hear at the store all the time, especially from older people that maybe they haven't been buying music for the last 10 to 15 years or maybe now their kids are buying it. They always say to, to me or my coworkers, they say, why do you think? vinyl is back or why do you think people are putting so much effort into it and uh i always i i have a theory that it's because i think younger people specifically um grew up with no physical format you know if you're if you're 20 or even 25 once you started getting older you had an ipod or you had your phone and you just had music streaming or you just downloaded your parents cds onto your phone or whatever so i think the vinyl when you're holding something i think nick talked about this earlier like you you're holding a piece of art you know you're holding an album cover or you've got liner notes to read that can't be replicated plus i still think that like listening to van halen one or kiss alive or you know are you experienced or you know run down the list of of amazing records those are still an experience yeah. and i don't and i think when you have the record you want to play the whole thing and you're more invested in it because you put it on you drop the needle you're sitting there listening to it it's not like oh i clicked on this and now i'm gonna hear it oh and 10 seconds in i don't like it so let me go to something else it's yeah. to adam's point there's there's like there's effort in it and and i think that that's what's forcing people to be like 
you know, about the format, about the physical media. Yeah, I they're see... finding value in the inconvenience. That's yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I see it more in vinyl than I do in CDs. I mean, we still sell a lot of CDs, but for younger people, like the people if we're talking about what's next and who, who's it inspiring, they're buying records. And what are our top selling records every week? It's like Beatles, Abbey Road, Black Sabbath, Paranoid, uh, Led Zeppelin II, Fleetwood Mac Rumors, you know, all the same records that for the last 50 years have been celebrated. So I still think, to Mike's point, you know, are we going to be talking about Nickelback Rockstar in 20 years? I don't know. I don't think so. But we'll probably still be talking about Abbey Road. So, you know, I, I don't think that goes away no matter what the format is. But. Well, hopefully it encourages people to pick up an instrument and play and be creative because people people can still be creative but the the attention span and the social media and the cell phones and all that i think it, it's taking away people's creativity for all the good that it does in terms of exposure and and being able to get your art in front of people because like obviously when nick had a record deal that was the only way to get yeah. music his music in front of people was to have a real record deal you know well, and what you do before then which was great is is you would make a demo you would make a demo like like we did three demos and then you'd put an advert and say kerrang or something or sounds or you sell them at gigs like you couldn't put oh we're playing such and such on facebook or instagram you had to know the police route and then post to the town without getting arrested. <laughs> but, but that was a real, that was a real, that was a yeah. real thing, but it was part of the experience. And the one thing that you want to very quickly going back to Dave Grohl, this is an amazing, he did an amazing um, series of, I guess there were TV shows initially it's called Sonic highways. Yeah. That was but great. One, the, the, the one where I think they're all brilliant episodes. They all made me want to live in the Gunam city. But the, um, the the one when he went back to Seattle and he goes back to the old studio he used to mess around with and the guy went, hey, I've got I've still got those tapes of your first songs. And you see the girl going, go, oh, God, that was awful. People people don't see that. It's what people don't see that makes a success. Like the reason a fighter win, wins a boxing match is not what happens in the ring. It's everything that led up to that gun and moment. Every, every yeah. single yeah. push-up, every single sprint, every single whatever. And it's the same is true of anything. Like the yeah. reason a band is great on stage is, or in the studio is because they actually work their asses off. And that's why I think newer guys will go and, oh, let's just do that again. We'll do it 500 times. Oh, we'll choose that one and put it. There was, there was no, and they were looking at the grid. Like if you listen to the Zeppelin records, they're all over the place, but that's why they're brilliant. It's not, you couldn't put a click track to that because yeah. it was four guys, well, three guys playing, one guy singing that had this symbiotic thing that only happens via growing up and becoming a unit together. And that that doesn't, you can't do that via friggin' a WeTransfer and Studio One. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, you can, but it's boring. It's not the same. It's perfectly boring. It's perfect, but it's boring. <laughs> Well, on that note, kids, we're going to wrap this portion and then move on to our last two segments. I do have one question for each of you. We bypassed the what are you listening to now segment. So I want everybody to pick one thing you're listening to right now that we can share with the audience. And then we'll move on to the last two segments and then call it a day. We'll start with Adam. What are you listening to right now? I am listening to uh, what's the best thing I'm listening to. Uh, the new cave in record. 
is awesome. Heavy pendulum. Heavy fucking what? heavy pendulum. Oh, heavy pendulum. Okay. Fucking like heavy pedalum. I'm like heavy bedlam. <laughs> like like that's kind of cool. Heavy bedlam. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heavy New Cave Records, great. Really, really good. Um, their bass player unfortunately passed away. I think two years ago, Dude. and now they have Nate Newton of Converge playing bass. And uh, I can tell Nate's been writing, and it's awesome, awesome record. Very cool, Mr. Bocat. Um, two things. So obviously, with I've got a you know I've gone back. I'm listening to the Pantera 100%, 101% Proof Door, which I do periodically <laughs> anyway, and. And also Steel Panther, who were really, really, really good. I mean, Death to All But Metal is probably cancel culture, whatever, but they're <laughs> looking great at what they do. I mean, those guys can play. Yeah, they can play, and they write some of the most hysterical lyrics. Right, the 19, have, have you seen the news, the 1987, the single that came out? It's fucking funny, man. Yeah. I used to see those guys when they were when they were a, a metal shop. Right. At the at the Viper metal Room school, in LA, metal school, metal school. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah metal yeah. school. Uh, at the Viper Room in LA, and then some of those guys were in uh, uh, Booty Quake as well. So they had like the 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 disco cover band. It was like all these same guys and all these bands all playing the Viper Room. So there was um, a third one was um, Firepower by Judas Priest because I went to see them recently, and Halford can still beat most people one third of his age by hitting those notes. Remarkable. And Richie's one of the greatest players one of the nicest guys on the planet. yeah i mean he breathed new life into that band you know absolutely i'm so glad they made the rock and roll hall of fame but it's i went to see the show a, a few weeks back and it's it's mind-blowing funny richie story I, I don't remember if i told this on here but uh you guys i don't think i've heard it i uh, i was at an event for the company i worked for uh, that was part of it and i was showing him one particular guitar that does acoustic and electric guitar sounds and stuff and he's like oh yeah maybe you can use this on diamonds and roster i'm like yeah you know it's great if like if you're you know doing this or like even if like you were in a cover band or something he goes oh, i am because <laughs> <laughs> for him judas priest is a cover band you know <laughs> firepower's up there man that firepower if it's godlike but anyway yeah. uh nick morocco what are you listening to uh i'm all about the uh neil young harvest 50th anniversary edition that just came out last week nice. uh the box set is fantastic comes with a great unreleased documentary it's like two hours long from when he was recording it it's not like a retrospective thing so really cool to see like you know 1972 footage of uh, crosby stills and nash laying down background vocals and stuff that's that's cool and then also um I think one of the best records that's come out this year that I keep going back to is uh, Skid Row, The Gang's All Here. I think it's a classic. It, sound, it sounds like the record that they would have made between the self-titled and between Slave to the Grind. It's heavy, but it still has those like more melodic choruses that happen on the first record. I think it's outstanding. I, I don't think it's the best record that's come out this year, but I think it's top three. Cool. Nice. And uh, for me... Uh, I uh, Nick brought up Queensryche before. Recently, I picked up on vinyl "Mind Crime at the Moor." This is an album that came out in 2006, but on CD. And I had I had an opportunity to buy it at one time when it first came out, and it was you know really coveted. You know, it's a four album set on specifically they call it Bloody Mary vinyl, something like that. Uh, and uh, and I listened to it on on this is where streaming kind of comes in. It's kind of funny. I listened to it streaming, and I'm like, this sucks. I kind of don't like the production of this. I don't like the way this sounds. 
And then I was like, well, you know what? Let me just get it anyway, because Mind Crime is awesome. And I got to tell you, mastered on vinyl, it's way, way better. Like, sonically, it's just so much better, and it changed my whole aspect of that live recording. So I, I was I was kind of surprised about that, So, cool. uh, which is great because I paid too much for it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, we're going to move on to our last two segments and then cut everybody free. So to explain, these segments are Discovered, which is we discuss a cover song that we all like as well, individually that we like as much, if not more than the original. And that's why this show is called cover to covered. That's the covered portion. And then this song sucks, which again, for those of you that don't know, it's great band, shitty song. So because not every one of them are zingers, right? And some of the ones that we've talked about in past episodes are mother by the police from synchronicity and, uh, Nick put up dreams by Van Halen from 5150, which wound up being an argument that's lasted five weeks now at this point. I'm so still hearing about you're it. still hearing about it. Exactly. Um, so, and we always argue about it and it's all about fun and it's all about enjoying ourselves here. So we're going to start off with discovered now, Nick Morocco, I'm going to have you go first so that you could show us how it's done. What song, what cover song do you like as much, if not more than the original for this week? Okay, so uh, I picked uh, Southern Child, which is a Little Richard song, old school R Little Richard song, done by my friends in Blackberry Smoke. I think it's a great cover. Uh, I like it better than the original just because it's a little, little bit more rocked. Um, nothing against Little Richard because I think he's a brilliant genius. But uh, I, I just love the, I love the guitar tone on it. I think it's great. Uh, Blackberry Smoke dudes always do super cool covers. In fact, they put out a whole Rolling Stones uh, covers record for Record Store Day last year. That's a must listen as well. But this popped up the other day in my head. I put it on the turntable and I thought, yeah, this is a this is a solid cover. Nice. We're gonna go clockwise. Adam Phillips. My pick for Discovered would be Summer Breeze. Typo negative doing Summer Breeze. I think now, it just has such a darker vibe, and I think it actually has vibe, which is something I feel like the original was just lacking. I think the original just kind of, I, I don't know. I'm not usually into the hippie trippy stuff. It, it, <laughs> music from that era, I usually go into the the deeper, darker. Uh, like last time I was on the show, we had a discussion about Captain Beyond. Similar era, yeah, completely right. different, completely different style. Something more in my wheelhouse. So I think typo like really took that song, made it their own and made it awesome. Now I had mentioned that that was called out on the second episode when this was only a podcast, not a video podcast. And it's fine because it wasn't, you called it out, but you said that, you know, this had a vibe and the original didn't, but I tried to point out and you know, maybe you guys agree or, or, or don't, that's the vibe that seals and Croft wanted for the song. So that initial vibe was their vibe. You may not agree with the vibe, but yeah, there is vibe nonetheless. Okay, I'll give uh, you that. I'll give you that. And then there was another cover that I talked about, done the same song, done by the Isley Brothers, like a year after the original came out. <laughs> so, which is just odd to have the Isley Brothers covering that song. Now, once you hear the typo negative version, like how did how did that happen? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. The typo I, negative I, version is incredibly awesome. It is. It's good. It's dark without being depressing. If that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> and that's hard for them to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Nick Bocott, what about you? First, I would say Blackberry Smoke, great band, lovely guys. Their sound checks are always worth watching. Yes. Because they, they do covers and they do them really, really, really well from Kiss through Van Halen. Wonderful stuff. Yes. But I was initially going to choose. I was in I, I was in a dilemma over this one because it would, you know, it changes hourly. I was going to say I Ain't No Mountain by Budgie, which was a cover of an Andy Fairweather Low song. But then I thought about a song that I listened to just the other day that had a massive impact on me as a guitar player. And he was also a, a guitar player that had a massive impact on Zach Wilde. His name is Frank Marino. And he had a live album that came, I think it was Frank, Frank, Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush Live. I think he came out in 1978 or 79. And he covered Johnny Be Good. And it's freaking electrifying because his solo stuff from where he takes it. I mean, Chuck Berry, one of the forefathers, but Frank made it his without being disrespectful or it just. It was him playing Johnny Bigger as only he could, kind of like Zach playing Pantera as only he can. Is it better so, than the Judas Priest cover? I'm going to discuss that later. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, for me, I had a couple of ways I was going to go with this, and this is kind of to, to Nick's point of like being influential. This was influential on me and, and, and it's really weird why I'm going to call this one out and it's walk covered, this way. Someone's covered y, YMCA. Really? Listen, <laughs> I did that cover on my own. Um, actually, Adam did a remix for me. No. Um, so I went with walk this way by run DMC. Now why? I know it seems weird, but here's the thing. When that song came out in the way early eighties, I had never heard Aerosmith's original version. Uh. So my first exposure to Aerosmith was on MTV with Run DMC doing their version. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. Oh, wow. There's like a guitarist. Who's this guy screaming the chorus? This is kind of cool. So for me, I'm not going to say I like it more, but I like it as much as the original because it was one of those things that singularly got me to start listening to Aerosmith and help push me towards playing guitar, which cool. I thought was you know really cool. Again, a really weird way to go about it, but that was what happened. And so that's going on on the uh, eventually going on the discovered playlist when I actually put it together, um, getting back to streaming. So. Now, this next segment, our last segment, is called This Song Sucks. Now, Nick, Bocott, you have not been exposed to this. Adam, you have, but I don't know if I had. Did I have an intro when you did this with us? No. I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. Um, Mr. Morocco, I changed the intro a little bit. Uh-oh. I'll, I'll play the real intro after. Okay. But only one person is really going to understand this. Actually, most of our listeners will understand this if they're repeat listeners. Uh -oh. You ready? Uh-oh. Here we go. That's amazing. Oh, amazing. Nick, oh. every week when I ask him, like, what's your song for this song? It's like, Abracadabra by Steve Miller Band. <laughs> every week. So, so I decided to change it up this week. But here is the actual This Song Sucks theme song.
It never gets old. <laughs> oh, I prefer the the uh, abracadabra. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. That's why I made that for you today. I was like, I got to do something special for Nick. I got to do something special for Nick. Uh, yeah, there, there's been there's been a litany of songs on this on this playlist, and it just keeps growing and growing, and none of them are good. Uh, and they're, they're all great bands. Like I've called out Cheap Trick. Nick's called out Steve Miller Band, even though he hates every yeah, song the, by the, the Steve Miller Band. So there's that. Um, I'll start off, and then we're going to go counterclockwise on this one. And um, I feel bad picking this one because. The gentleman below me is here. It's Grim Reaper. No. Um, <laughs> you've, got, you've got three albums to choose from. Go. <laughs> well, can I just put all track yeah, listings yeah. from every album on the playlist and just yeah, be done with blank. it? Yeah, Grim Reaper. Blank by Grim Reaper. Next. <laughs> you know, I've been thanked on albums before and, and things of that nature. And, and Nick gave me one of the greatest thanks of all time. He wrote a, a book. Uh, for a Dimebag book called Riffer Madness, all right? And it came with the CD and everything with the, with the following tracks. And uh, he didn't have a whammy pedal, so he came to the store I was working at. I gave him, like, the boss equivalent of something that would work. And he said, special thanks to Mike. Grim Reaper sucked and you owed me beers, Venezia. And I was like, yes, that's like the longest thank you nickname of all time. <laughs> and so, yeah, so there's that. And I will always appreciate you for that. Um, but... Anyway, I went with, I just, I feel terrible. Uh, I, I really do. It's like from Van Halen 3, which I can name every song on that album as a this song sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I went with How Many Say I, which is the last song on that album. And I believe it's the only song in the Van Halen catalog where Eddie Van Halen sings lead vocal. And it sucks. It sucks horribly. And I'm not trying to talk ill of the dead or his talent or anything like that. And Nick, I know you knew him, but we all have to admit that song, that song sucked. I mean, it was, it's just not good. And I feel terrible saying it. I actually feel like I need to shower. <laughs> What's funny is, is, is when you said Van Halen three, I mean, when you've, you've picked the song from women and children first, are you insane? No, I wouldn't. Oh God. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And that's the thing. Cause most people back. don't remember that fucking album either. Not women and children first, but Van Halen three, they all deny it's like plausible deniability of that album in their catalog. But yeah, like that one was, that one was rough. I, I mean, look, there's 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 lots of great Van Halen songs and those twelve are not one of any of those twelve. No. Talking of skit, I I always said my my stance was they should have given the gig to Sebastian Bach, but that's just me. That would have just been great in my opinion. But anyway, well they almost gave it to Mitch Malloy. Yeah, yeah. Where Who? does Mitch Malloy fall in the timeline? Was that before Gary or after Gary? I think he was post Gary. I think I could be wrong though. Well, maybe but he was wasn't even up. like official. Official. I don't know. I just... Yeah, great singer though. Yes, I mean, isn't he in, like great white now or something? He like wasn't that? great white. I think he just moved on. But I could be wrong. Okay. Well, Mister Bocott, you're up next. I'm. I'm not. I'm just pre. I'm just going to make a statement of fact: is that I am. I hate the woke movement totally. Okay. With, 
I just because it's narcissistic, self-righteous people getting upset on behalf of someone who might be upset in 99.9% of the... Do you know what I mean? it's like, because then it's it's because you know I'm I'm with Chappelle, not that I'm on the I belong in the same sentence or paragraph or even yeah Bible as Chappelle, but Chappelle's take is really good on the whole woke thing. It's and so is Ricky Gervais's. It's yeah they don't they don't walk their talk. Most of them, a few of them do, but very few of them do, and it's just become fashionable. But by saying that is that I've always had this thing is that I hate saying. Like to me, a song is a very personal thing, and because I don't like it, like you know what? What's that saying? Another man's meat's another man's poison. Yeah, is that there are songs I don't like. Like I'm, I was never a huge Rush fan because I personally didn't like. Well, I personally don't like Getty. <laughs> because I don't like Getty's voice, just me personally. But yeah. if you ask me, one like to name the four best three pieces to ever walk this planet. Or the best drummer, the best bass player, the most creative guitar player, I would mention Rush, Getty, Alex, and um, the Professor. You've got it because just because I don't like it, they don't suck. They're brilliant. I just didn't get it. That mm-hmm. doesn't give me the right to say it sucks. You know, I can say Mike's ugly. That's pretty objective, but <laughs> the rest is kind of subjective. Do you know what I mean? Well, all right. So put it this way. So, so, so anyway, so what I'm going to say is so if but. But I have to mention a song, otherwise I'm just wussing out completely. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm, gonna, so I'm gonna say I don't like this, but I'm precursing it by saying this band have I've just already mentioned as being demigods. They they British Steel changed my life. Without doubt. That was the first time I heard metal and went, wow, you can have three-minute melodic metal songs with a screaming vocalist. You know, different to Van Halen, like more more metal than rock. But and they've done some amazing covers. Their Diamond and Rust cover, the Joni Baez song, is genius. Green Manalishi, Untouchable. They yeah. also did, I think it was on, on Sin After the Spin, their cover of the Spooky Tooth song, Better Than You, Better By Me. No, Better By You, Better Than Me. It's on Stained Class. Stained, you're right. That's brilliant. But the And they play really well. They sing really well. But their Johnny Be Good... I don't get it. It's one of the worst covers of all time. I don't get it. Like it's not that it's out of tune or they're playing badly. It's just I don't get it. I don't, I've got friends who love it, and that you know I go visit them in hospital sometimes. Because <laughs> the walls are padded. So I, would say I don't like it, but people do, and you know. The bottom line is this, and I always say this, and I said this when Load and Reload came out, there's only four people that had to like Load and Reload, and their names were James, Jason, Kirk, and Lars. The rest of you're going to say Bob Rock. Bob Rock. <laughs> yeah. and Bob no, Bob Rock people. got paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five people, you're right, Bob. Like, if, if, if that's where their heads were at, God bless them. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip saying hanger altogether, but um, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Which most is, people do. People always go, come down on me because I, I, I rag on Metallica, or I can, and they're like, I don't get why you don't like Metallica. And I'm like, because I'll tell you why, because when I was at the height of my Metallica fandom, the first new record I got to experience as a Metallica fan was Saint Anger. Oh, so, no. so I'm they sorry. owe me for life. 
Fair point. Fair your comment. lifestyle determines your death style. That's still that's still a great lyric, though. Although that documentary, if you watch that documentary, it's fascinating. Yeah. You go, so, oh, this is why it was so bad. <laughs> like when the, what was that guy's name? Was it Tal? The when he thought he was in the band. Yeah. Oh, the 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 psychiatrist. <laughs> the guy who needed the yeah. most psych help was that idiot. Here's some lyrics. Here's some lyrics. I think these <laughs> would be great. Right. Anyway, so yeah, so I I don't get that one at all. That's I love Judas Priest, but that one I I and I wanted to like it because it was, I already put it as my cover of this Frank Marino's version is just superlative, and this yeah. one was like I don't get it. It's Johnny B. Goodfest, especially after the other three. You know, those three covers they did that were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Not not sure if I get that one. If a record label had anything to do with it, but those other three covers are so good. And Nick and I have talked oh. about them before. They're so good that people don't know that they're covers. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it's genius. It's brilliant. Yeah. So. Because because that they they did to me what I this goes back to the Pantera thing. I don't want to hear someone play the song exactly the same as the original artist did yeah. it. What's the point? They already the Beatles already did. Hey Jude, <laughs> and you're going to do it exactly the same. Stop it. Yeah. Like Van Halen's, you really got me. Set the that kind of set a pretty high bar, as does yeah. Diamond Rust, as does Green Manalishi, for that matter. You know, anyway. you of course would do "Hey Dude," so that would be you know more along the lines of what you're into here. You know, it's, you know. Dude looks like a lady. <laughs> dude looks like Nick. Well, like what you're into. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Adam Phillips, what do you got for this song? Sucks. I'm just All passing right. on now. I'm passing on. <laughs> the British will always beat me in humor. Just I just push it away. It's always, I'm always going to lose. I try and I lose. Adam. So my pick for my pick for this song sucks this week is Stain of Mind on Slayer's Diabolus in Musica album. Ooh. Stain I, of Mind ooh. is a clunker in my opinion. I feel like yeah. the song is contrived. Tom Araya is rapping and they decided to do the new metal Standard sound check riff ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba about nine years too late. <laughs> Why did that <laughs> happen? Standard sound check riff. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say you're wrong. I just um, I, I I don't know. I feel like they've written so much great music and have changed have. the face of metal and are one of the greatest metal bands of all time. Yeah, agreed. And that song just made me go, what are you guys doing? Because so there's some off, other good songs on that album. The rest of the album's yeah, good. I, you pick that song over Desire, which is like a love song. It's a Slayer it's, love song. It's not great either. It, it, maybe I'm saving that one for the next time I'm on. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that, that's your safety backup. There you go. <laughs> Now, Nick, you know Carrie as well as I do, and what's uh, and you actually wrote articles about the the actual name of the title, Diabolus and Musica. Yeah. So, what was your take on that song? Because I have my own take on it, which essentially, in a nutshell, is they said, "Well, we could do this better than these guys." Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you that I don't remember that song. It was the single. If yeah, <laughs> if Slayer ever had a single, if Slayer ever had a single, it was a it was that song. That's isn't um, Slayer and single an oxymoron, yeah, right? right. That's exactly. What I was thinking. Yeah. So, so because my, my 
I mean, Slayer, you you just hit it on the, the nail on the head. One of the one of the most you know they defined the genre, yeah. in my opinion. They were they led that charge, and yeah, I I I can't make a comment because I couldn't hum you that song, and maybe that's an indication. Maybe I watched it. <laughs> there you maybe, go. <laughs> maybe it's like maybe it's selective amnesia, but I don't recall it. Fair enough. Nick Morocco, take us home. All right. Well, I talked about the Stones earlier because I was listening to a bunch of Stones albums earlier this week. And uh, this song, even though it's one of their more popular ones, I think it's a just a terrible song. Uh, closing out 1978's Some Girls, I pick Shattered. <laughs> Shadooby. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that he says Shadooby. And it sounds like, <laughs> you know what it sounds like? It reminds me of like almost like what Adam was just saying about like the standard soundtrack riff. It sounds like the stones are jamming and then mix just like spouting random shit over it. Like there's no semblance to it or anything. It's I'm sure they have worse songs. I mean, you know, I'm sure something on under dancing undercover. No, that's rat on undercover. (laughs) (laughs) But uh uh, now, if yeah, the Rolling Stones did rat songs, I'd like to hear that. Oh, I love that. That, that would be would great be covers right there. That would be part of Discovered. <laughs> but I, I think Some Girls is a killer record. There's a lot of great stuff on there, like when the whip comes down and respectable. And just to close it out with Shattered is is a is a miss, in my opinion. <laughs> that's 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 fair. I mean, that, that that of all the Rolling Stones songs, that's right up there with, like, the silliest. Yeah. Like, for sure. Like you just all I could see like if there was there a video for that song ever? I don't think so. Because all I could see is like five of them line up going Shadooby, Shatter, Shadooby. Like that's all I could picture happening in that song. I, the, I, only, the only band that could get away with that would be David Lee Roth era Van Halen. And absolutely, that, and it would be yes. cool. And then it would be cool. People be like, "Fuck yeah, Shadooby, <laughs> Shadooby, do what?" <laughs> Actually, they did do it, right? Yeah. Exactly, yes. So they did do it, and then the Rolling Stones said, fuck that, we can do it too, and they just sucked. And they didn't. (laughs) And they didn't do it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the show. Uh, Adam, Nick, Adam, what do you have to promote? Brand new endorphin. Brand new endorphin material. New single drops December 16th, so uh, a week from... Friday, a week from yeah, a week from this Friday, and then the EP drops, drop, and then the EP drops on January thirteenth. EP and where can it food. be purchased? Um, it can actually be streamed on all streaming services. Nice, but eventually, <laughs> but eventually purchased. <laughs> eventually purchased. I mean, <clears throat> it'll it'll allow me to, to 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 enough. It'll allow me enough money to charge this light. There we go. That's that's <laughs> good. A few minutes. <laughs> three million streams really wow <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, know, I wanted to get into all of that because nick's probably the only guy we'll ever have on this show that has millions of streams on spotify yeah well you can yeah. see he's he's definitely a dozen air at this point so <laughs> oh, it's like, you know it's i can su- i'll supersize that meal please <laughs> yeah. Wow, you went from small to medium. Very yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> uh, Adam, is there a website for Endorphin? Where can they where can they check out the band? Where can people check out the band? Go look for uh, it, what is it? Endorphin. Uh, hang on one second. 
Dot go com? in. Nothing. Well, we don't have a dot com anymore. <laughs> no, there's all those are taken, Nick. There's no more dot coms. It's like dot you dot dot monkey. So on Instagram, we are the real endorphin. And that's I-N-D-O. I-N-D-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. There you go. So this emphasizes the fact that we don't know how to spell. (laughs) (laughs) But at least you know how to play and write some cool music. (laughs) Nick Bocott, what do you got? Adam's new stuff. There you go. Nick Nick (laughs) Bocott is into Adam's new stuff. Seriously, I mean, on a more serious note, one of the big things that's wrong with music nowadays is people don't buy stuff anymore. Yeah. Well, not the majority of people that buy stuff is pathetically tiny. If you really like a band and you want to support them, buy something physical, buy a CD, actually buy the download as, a, as opposed to paying Spotify, whatever you pay them for them to rip everyone off yep. from their Rolls Royces and Learjets and buy the band's merch. If they play live, go watch them and keep your goddamn cell phone in your pocket and rock out and support support live music support local bands that's the that's why it's sucking more than anything else it's like you're not going to find the new next thing on friggin instagram you're going to find yep. some some yep. some person probably miming along to something they recorded for 3 hours earlier in 15 seconds and i i'm bored essless by that stuff it's like it's oh wow that's really fast and where's the to quote Ozzy Osbourne, "Where's the riffs, man? I want it. I want to hear songs. I want to hear a band. I want to hear passion. I don't want to hear Pro Tools perfection because it's boring." Yeah, exactly. you know, you know, Polyphia are great players, but the only thing I remember from the and Steve Vai is a genius, by the way. But I've said this to other people: is that that that, that single they have out right now that's got like seven million views on on YouTube. The only thing I can remember humming wise is the is when they all stop at the end and there's just this pad and there's a there's an African American trumpet player on a water tower and it's freaking brilliant. There's a melody. <laughs> That's all. I, I'm going. Wow, I could never play that, but I can't remember it either. That's why Pantera was great. That's why Priest are great still. That's why Slayer were great until hopefully they come back. And I would not decry that, but I can't see Tom doing that. All good bands are great because they're real people making real music in real time with yeah. other real people. Period. I agree 100%, man. That's that's something we've really stood by with Endorphin is uh, if we can't play it, we don't do it. Um, We there's obviously we record digitally because recording to tape is just a nightmare. But um, our our, all of our albums are full of dozens of real instruments like nothing is that's it. I mean, there's lap steel, trumpet, piano, violin, cello, saxophone, accordion. All all these things are buried in there and sometimes not so buried, but they were all played. <laughs> and that's that's something we've stood by. And then if we can't no, do it, it'll, li- it'll never catch on. Isn't there an app for that? Don't you get a, <laughs> isn't there a trumpet app on freaking? Let me download the accordion <laughs> app real quick. <laughs> I'm gonna go that's blow great. into my phone once we're done here, so I can. You know. Thank God you said phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna blow. I have to say, this is the only guy I've seen just put Mike through the ringer. It's the fantastic. Brits will always win. The Brits will always win. We beat them in wars and took this country. They beat us in comedy all the time. And there's no way I could be quicker than Nick on that one. Except 
Well, forget it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> this is nice, wasn't it? That was one of my favorite favorite Lemmy quips, and he got away with it on live TV in England before they have the five second thing. Like when Mo, I think when No No Sleep Till Hammersmith made number one, so I think Lemmy was interviewed by the BBC, and they to try and keep it safe, they sort of said, "Why? Well, your your guitarist, your guitarist's name is is Fast Eddie. Why is he called? Do you call him Fast because of how quickly he plays?" He goes, "No, it's because of him in the bedroom. His saying is this." This is nice, wasn't it? <laughs> Freaking genius. Oh he got away with it. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to play the outro music. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Cover to Covered. My name is Mike. That is Nick Morocco. Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And yeah. where are you located? Livonia, Michigan, Five Mile in Farmington. And you're going to let me say it? Yeah. I'm okay. Where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com. Awesome sauce. I'd like to thank our special guest, Adam Phillips and Nick Bocott. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I appreciate all the birthday wishes in the chat. Thank you guys so much. And uh, this is going to be up on uh, on the uh, on the Apple Podcasts and the Spotify's and all that in probably the next hour or so, so you can listen to it again because it was good. It was and I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, both of you guys hang out for two seconds after we go off air. Uh, yeah. Roger says goodbye to everybody. And Bye, my mom my mom says hi to you, Adam. She sends her love and says hey, congratulations mom. on your wedding again. Why didn't uh, your mom say hi to Nick Bocott? She's not a fan she of She don't give a shit about Nick Bocott. No. She was like, oh, my God, I thought it was the Hulk. And then I realized you were talking to a person. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Stone Golem. That's what it was. No. All right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> See ya. Peace.